A reading from the Gospel according to Marco. Midnight Mass is my favorite TV show produced in the last decade. Seeing as how each host is going to give their own reading today, I'm not going to focus this reading on the plot of the show, but instead on the theme it conveys. There are a few topics we've discussed on this podcast that are all paid off in this episode. We've discussed, as far back as episode 3, how religious allegories can serve to tell amazing stories when the person writing them knows what they're talking about. A theme introduced in that episode was one of nuance and how boring it was to watch a movie about atheists versus religious people. This idea of nuance was brought up again in our episode of Promising Young Woman. We discussed how there was a version of that movie, a perfectly watchable version, that was a silly slasher, but in the right hands it became something more, something truly artful. In episode 3 of this podcast, I pulled a quote from Aaron Sorkin. It read as follows. I'm not interested in bad versus good, I'm interested in good versus great. Midnight Mass is not interested in atheist versus religion, it's interested in religion versus faith. We've discussed in a great deal how us three hosts were all raised Catholic and went to Catholic school, and still know faithful people to this day. The brilliance of the theming of Midnight Mass is not just in its condemnation of religious dogma, but the way it showcases how faith, not religion, can be a positive impact on people's lives. There is a watchable version of the show where our heroes, the sheriff, Riley's parents, and Aaron, are all full-on non-believers. But what makes Midnight Mass so compelling, to me, is its ability to showcase that faith in its purest form is nothing more than a personal tool used to cope with trauma. The sheriff's faith is tied to his deceased wife. Aaron's faith is her reprieve from an abusive relationship. Riley's parents' faith is, the way of, is their way of holding on to sanity in a world where their son has ruined lives with his actions. The brilliance of this take is so artfully infused into the series. The priest is holding AA meetings for Riley at the church rectory. This metaphor can't be lost. At its core, faith is nothing more than AA meetings, but instead of addiction trauma, it's existential trauma. It's a place to process the unknowns of the universe and incomprehensible loss. It's a place to, a place to acknowledge that you don't have all the answers and neither does anyone else. Whereas religious dogma, the institution of the thing, is a method by which to seek power and control. It's something that sucks the life out of you. Literally. Because this, in its most literal sense, is a vampire story. The same way Mike Flanagan showed us with Haunting of Hill House what a modern-day ghost story could be, he's now tackled vampires as well. The do dogmatic religious followers, the people preserving the institution, do what they always do. They rationalize the evil they're seeing by pulling out-of-context quotes from the Bible. So beautifully this point is driven home that at the end of the story, when Riley's parents have been turned by the blood of the vampiric creature, they watch as the rest of the townsfolk become uncontrollable monsters. And they reflect by acknowledging that resisting the temptation isn't actually that hard. These townsfolk are simply using it as an excuse to be the evil people they always were. But the most beautiful metaphor of all comes at the story's end. As the sun rises on Easter morning, the entire town dies. But those with faith, the sheriff, Riley's parents, and Aaron, comfortably accept their fate. They don't have all the answers, but they are not afraid. That's what faith can bring. But the members of the institution, the power-hungry folk who use religion as an excuse to be vile and hateful, now faced with the loss of their power, are afraid. Because to them, this was nothing more than an exercise in obtaining power and control. I've liked everything Mike Flanagan has done. Gerald's Game and Doctor Sleep are wonderful traditional horror movies. Hill House is a beautiful ghost story that's also about mental illness. However, I remarked on our Hill House episode that while I thought it was excellent, I did not feel a drive episode to episode to keep watching, and I felt no drive to return to it. I don't know if it's the subject matter hitting so close to home to me, the storytelling, or a combination of both, but Midnight Mass is the opposite. This is going to become required Holy Week viewing for me. Never has a piece of art about religion so perfectly nailed my own thoughts and captured my imagination. There are things that are too hard or painful to understand in the world. If your way of coping is faith, more power to you. We all need to find our ways to understand our own experiences, otherwise we'd all lose our minds. But if faith is a tool for hatred, 
it, if it's a method by which you choose to seek power, then it ceases to become faith, it becomes religion. And also, this is the best, best vampire story ever put to film. It's not even close. I'd like to leave you with a quote from the series that, for me, perfectly sums up why it works. It's a quote filled with exactly my worldview that references quotes from actual scripture, and it's also just beautifully written. The perfect microcosm of Midnight Mass. Quote, I'm returning home, and it's like a drop of water falling back into the ocean, of which it's always been a part. All things apart. You, me, and my little girl, and my mother and my father. Everyone who's ever been, every plant, every animal, every atom, every star, every galaxy. All of it. More galaxies in the universe than grains of sand on the beach. And that's what we're talking about when we say God. The cosmos and its infinite dreams. We are the cosmos dreaming of itself. It's simply a dream that I think is my life, every time. But I forget all this. I always do. I always forget my dreams. But now, in this split second, in the moment I remember, the instant I remember, I comprehend everything at once. There is no time. There is no death. Life is a dream. It's a wish. Made again and again and again and again and again and again and on to, into eternity. I am all of it. I am everything. I am all. I am that I am. End quote. A reading from the Gospel according to Carolina. I accidentally encountered my roommate watching the show Midnight Mass one day in late September of 2021. When I tuned in, all I saw was a church covered in blood. I had no idea of the actual plot or its connection to Mike Flanagan's haunting series that I had previously watched and loved. And because all that, all that I saw was that gruesome scene, I didn't think of it again. Then we did our podcast episode talking about the haunting of Hill House in October of 2021. And after it ended, Dan was fervently recommending, almost demanding, that we watch <laughs> Midnight Mass. Then two months later, when I went to Windsor to visit my family and friends for Christmas, I was talking about my 10-hour-long train journey back to Ottawa when, I don't remember if this was Dan or myself, realized that that was the perfect amount of time to watch this seven-hour-long limited series. So I downloaded all of the episodes and began to watch. While it was a little bizarre to be watching such a dark series, something that I would normally associate with spooky season, immediately following such a jolly time, I was immediately enthralled. And I also realized that this is more than a show to throw on during October to get in the Halloween spirit. This show, while including some horror and suspense that genuinely scared me as I rewatched an episode before bed last night, really spends most of its time introducing you to a very small and fractured community on the remote Crockett Island and the conflicts that would naturally emerge when you live around only a few dozen people, especially when some of them, cough, cough, Bev Keen, are judgmental and just truly mean people. The show's true plot unravels in a way that feels both very quick, with several miracles and deaths happening in the first few episodes, and the truth behind them all being revealed by the fourth episode, but also in a very slow and meticulous way, leaving some aspects of the town and townspeople's mystery to be revealed in the final episode. The point of the show seems to be to invite you to muse upon your own religious beliefs and feelings about grief and regret and power and faith and hope and love. And as we all know, I love to feel things and apparently reflect on my own emotions, so the show was my jam, despite a lot of violence and blood, which is usually not my fave. Amen. Amen. <laughs> a reading from the gospel according to daniel it's only been little more than seven months since mike flanagan's midnight mass came out and already it's had more of an effect on me than most films and shows i've seen in my entire life this is a truly moving series there's more power stored within its seven episodes than many whole series have at all 
especially for someone like myself who grew up in a Catholic setting. This show speaks on topics of faith, religion, mob mentality, the purpose of existence, and what happens to us when we die, all of which played a part in growing up Catholic. Throughout the years, I started making my own decisions on what I think about the true nature of the universe we live in, eventually shedding the religious upbringing I was taught as the universal truth. Still though, I maintain a respect for people who use their faith to cope with life's dealings, and I appreciate the distinction that Midnight Mass makes regarding religion and faith. The former is a human-made institution that seeks to convert others to its particular set of beliefs, while the latter is meant to be a very personal quality of perseverance through hardship. Having faith in that sense should be a different and unique experience for everyone, while religion implies that an entire population of people somehow agree on the exact same set of beliefs and opinions on impossibly dense subjects such as life, death, morals, and the existence of a higher power. Midnight Mass is a clever, calculated type of production, one that houses its elemental opposing forces in equally developed, well-written, and mostly sympathetic characters on both sides of the argument in question. I think that's what I love most about it, because though I no longer associate with any particular religion or faith, that doesn't mean I despise people who choose to do so. Just like this series shows us, I maintain that it's the institution that lies at the root of the problem, and there are good people on all sides, theists, atheists, and agnostics alike. All in all, this show serves as a reminder for what happens when groups of people get swept up in trying to classify something we as humans don't yet understand as a divine message or something otherwise supernatural. And again, I think it does so in a very tasteful manner, paying due respect to all sides. What sets Midnight Mass apart from a lot of other projects that have aimed to make statements against religious dogma and blind worship is its avoidance of a lopsided playing field, where one side is pitted to be so obviously and blatantly correct that the victor at the end doesn't even feel rewarding. In Midnight Mass, it's a fair fight and many strong points are made by characters on each side of the argument, so the final result hits hard and proves to be effective. The show introduces us to the scarcely populated Crockett Island, 30 miles from the US mainland. The island houses a tight-knit population of people who are struggling to keep the, the community afloat due to its relative isolation. The town has electricity, running water, cell service, and transport to and from the mainland, but it is still surrounded by water and a far cry from the nearest city. With the misfortune the inhabitants of Crockett have seen throughout the years, they quickly turn to a new priest who has just moved in from the mainland, and who begins to renew the faith of some but raise questions for others. We follow Riley, a recovering alcoholic who has returned home to the island after killing a driver in a drunk driving accident and is now looking for purpose, and Aaron, who has recently come home after traveling throughout the US but eventually settling into the religion in which he was raised to believe, along with a whole ensemble of characters with their own journeys. What unfolds is a story of redemption, acceptance, and pondering one's role and existence in the universe as the people of Crockett Island question everything they were ever taught to believe. Whether you have any connection whatsoever, positive or negative, to the concept of religion or faith, or you're just in the mood to watch a gripping, emotional, and well-shot character drama thriller with captivating performances, powerful music, and something meaningful to say, Midnight Mass is worth experiencing for yourself. I think this is a very important show, and pretty much anyone can get something valuable out of it. It truly is a force to be reckoned with. Amen. Amen.
What is the Feature Length Podcast? Anyone? Uh, the Feature Length Podcast is a show where three idiots talk about film and entertainment. Good answer! Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> hey, are you talking to us? Yeah! <laughs> I'm talking to the voices in my head. <laughs> like, I truly, I truly don't know. It felt like a fever dream. I swear to God, I could It sounds so stupid hearing that. <laughs> If you're listening to this, this is a podcast. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast, a podcast where we talk about movies and TV for a feature length of time. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast, everyone. Hope you enjoyed our little gospels up front, Uh, you know, just sticking with the whole religious theme. And hey... (laughs) Thanks for checking this out. This is posting at the beginning of Holy Week. So, or not, that's a lie. Not the, Palm Sunday would have been the beginning of Holy Week. This is posting on Good Friday. Yeah. Um, so enjoy it over these next three days if that's when you're listening to it. And if not, wait till next year because you can't watch <laughs> it otherwise. Um, we should post it at midnight. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Because <laughs> everyone's going to see that it posted at midnight because they wait But it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. Um, sure, sure, sure. Smart. <laughs> That, that uh, voice with the great idea you heard was Dan. Oh, hello. <laughs> and uh, the other voice that agreed with the idea was Carolina. Hello. Hi, I'm Marco. Um, yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us to talk about this incredible show. If you couldn't tell from the intro, uh, we all absolutely fucking adore this show. It's so good. It's so good. Um, I know there were some spoilers in the intro, but like, if for some reason you've made it this far and are curious but haven't watched the show, spoilers or not, like, go watch it. Yeah. It's phenomenal, and let's come back. want to do a recommendation. Absolutely, right now, let's do it. Okay. Um, you go first. Okay. Well, I already kind of alluded to it in my intro, yeah. but just to expand upon that, I think not only one. Or, sorry, not only is this a show for everyone. I also think this is one of those shows that everyone ideally should watch. Yeah. Like everyone, no matter your faith or whatever your outlook on life, should see this show for what it's trying to say. Yeah. Um. As I said, it's. I think it's a very important production in its message, and also it's just like extremely well made yeah. as well. The cinematography, the sound design, everything, the acting, um, the the music. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> all around, I can't not suggest this show. And it's ironic because we, as a group, have recently been talking like we want to do more specific recommendations. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But starting with this one, it's hard because I really would recommend this to everyone. There's not a group that I wouldn't, except like young children. Like, sure. I was going to say definitely not children. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to piggyback off that, I 100% agree. Young children. And then I would also maybe just throw in like, if you are extremely squeamish towards horror. Yeah. Yes. There is like not. Very, very, very easily scared. Yes. Like there's not, there is such little horror in this, but. If, the, if, like, even just the idea of it really fucks with you. <laughs> there are a few jump scares. Yeah, like, maybe this would not be for you. But other than that, I would 100% go with it. Um, you absolutely do not have to be religious to get something out of this. Um, it's probably even better if you aren't. Or no. I, mean, I go no. back and forth on it because, like... Actually, yeah, I, actually, I take that back. It's probably... Like, there, there is there is so much stuff in here that I think is so rude and why it was so compelling to me was because, like, this... We'll get into it. This feels like something written by people like us. When, but what I mean by that is that people that were brought up in it, yeah, and then shifted out of that to be like, whatever you do for you is great, but the institution sucks. So, well, like, I mean, we we know it was. 
because like right, that, but yeah. that is Mike yes, Flanagan. Because it was written by yeah, it was written by <laughs> Mike Flanagan. Um, but yeah, so like if that's your worldview, great. If you are still extremely devout, you will still like this show. Like that was the other thing that I was so stricken by, and I was talking about in the intro was just like it's just cool how. Is there another loud noise happening on your end? Yeah, they're doing street sweeping today. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. That's okay. Right, you might just hear some street vehicles. Yeah, if you hear anything, it's because we couldn't cut it It's out. all my fault. We'll try. Um, yeah, th- there's just like... I don't think there's anyone that would not get something out of this. Um, again, unless you are extremely squeamish or young. But give it a chance, I would say. Um, if you're on the fence, 100% give it a go. See, and I'm kind of also in the same boat. I do think that everyone should watch it. Mm. But then I think, like, specifically, I don't know why, maybe because I saw her yesterday and we were discussing it, um, but Rachel, like, I don't know if this is something she would vibe with. You know what I mean? Not, like, because of the religious themes or anything, and, like, she likes horror, but she's the type of person who, like, when Oscar season rolls around, she's like, I have never liked an Oscar movie in my whole life. Mm. Like, she would rather watch, you know, like, a Netflix-produced rom-com or, like, a K-drama, and I, like, respect the hell out of that. Yeah. So I don't know what type of person that is, but I don't know if she would like this. See, that's really interesting, because something I was grappling with, because I watched this by myself, um, because I needed to get it, well, I didn't need to, but I wanted to get it done early for the podcast, and it was while Madison had COVID, and I bring this Mm -hmm. up because normally Madison just ends up watching, because whenever I have free time, I'm with her and we're watching it, so, (laughs) but she had COVID, so I was like, you know what, this is a great opportunity to just binge through this miniseries, um, but she's seen Mike Flanagan, all of Mike Flanagan's other stuff, and likes it to varying degrees, I think Hill House was her favorite, uh, of it, but, um, also like the movies that we, that we've watched of his, but I was also in that same vein, I was kind of like, I don't know... Because, like, she is also, like us, like, recovering Catholics. And, yeah. like, um, I, I don't I don't know. But just because of the content of it, you're right. Is I, I was sort of, like, I, I, she very much would be in that same category as Rachel. Of like, I don't, I don't know if she would, if it would hook her as early. But I, I yeah. almost feel like if I was I there it, going, like, yeah. wait. Yeah. And then once you, we get there. Yeah, so I recommend it to everyone, yes. but you might need a person sitting next to you being like, no, keep going. I promise by the time you, you get to the there. end, it'll yeah. be worth it. Well, and that, even for me, I mean, even for my experience watching it, after episode one, just after having watched the first episode, I was sure. like, okay, seems like Hill House. Seems like a well-written show. Cool. Yeah. And then it was like, systematically, we kept kind of building on stuff. And I was like, I was like hooked where I yeah. had to finish it. And then it ended and I was like, oh, like it was the most... <laughs> I feel like episode two by the end it's like oh you can't stop watching at this point you're in it till the end yeah absolutely absolutely that's that's when you started texting us I think yeah 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 um yeah so uh, I do think yeah I think so to go off that even if this doesn't seem like it would be your jam like try it anyway give it give it a a few episodes give it a chance like it's not gonna be after episode one but I would say like if by episode three you're not hooked then you can stop. And it's on Netflix. Like, most people have Netflix. Yeah. So you yeah. probably have access to it. Also, this is, like, one of the greatest things Netflix has put out in I don't know oh, how long. Oh, not even close. I mean, this is... I mean, like I said, this is my favorite just TV show of the last <laughs> decade, probably, outside of, like, Breaking Bad. I think yeah. it's just this. So, uh, yeah, it's it's incredible. And it's short. It's easily digestible. Seven episodes, yeah. Seven, yeah. And it's it's so... Just to talk about the format a little bit, I love... It, it, it has, like, that like not american format 
right? Because like American shows are normally like you have the whole writers' room and and everyone writes an episode like and you break. But this has the oh, like right. like the very like English like Fleabag style of just like this person had an idea and just wrote the whole thing, and it's yeah. so consistent across the whole thing because Mike Flanagan is insanely talented. Yeah, <laughs> and also it's a mini series, so that like there's only ever going to be the one season. It's which makes it even more bingeable mm-hmm. and. And also, I think, helps protect its legacy as well. Me too. too. Um, I'm happy that we're not going to be getting any more than this. Same. We're not going to get afternoon mass. (laughs) Yeah. Sunday uh, Sunday morning mass. Twilight mass. Twilight mass. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh, Twilight mass. So like a Twilight Midnight mass crossover? No. Because vampires. Yeah. That would be cool. (laughs) I hate myself for bringing that up. Oh my god, could you imagine Robert Pattinson coming back to reprise his role? <laughs> that would be, that's literally mixing the worst thing ever with, with the greatest thing ever. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, also, I said this is maybe the, the best vampire ever, thing ever put to film, but also Twilight. So this and Twilight, I think, are probably on equal footing. Top two, in terms of yeah. yeah. The top two. I want to, can we talk about the, like, Twilight? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I always want to talk about Twilight. Let's just talk about um, Twilight. Like the, <laughs> the horror aspects. Can we sure, sure just I to go with that? To say too, okay, that. cool. Um, I just thought it was cool. Like I just I dug it. When once I realized what it was, what they were doing, I was like, oh, that's really fucking smart. Like, yeah. I don't know what else to say. I was like, Mike Flanagan, you done it again, you bastard. Yeah. So, on the topic of the horror stuff, I also like the horror stuff. I actually. So I've watched this show three times now. Nice. And it's digestible, on my, yeah. On my third watch, I, I would say, like, I don't even think I would classify this as horror anymore. It's mm. it's horror in the sense that, like, like Jurassic Park is horror. Yes. Like, there are horror elements, but I wouldn't call the whole thing, like, a horror. Yeah. Um, as I said, it's probably, like, I would classify it as, like, a thriller, mostly drama. Very similar to Hill House. I mean, Hill House was pretty much downright horror in parts, but... Yeah. In the sense that it's very drama, character-driven, heavy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the, like what horror it does contain, I also like the this exploration of vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you were texting us in the group chat as you were watching about like the whole vampire thing, and it's interesting because I kind of read it a little bit differently. I don't think I, I'm curious to see what you guys think. Mm-hmm. I I don't view it as a literal vampire story, more so like that thing that we see. I won't go into too much detail right now, but that creature that shows up sure. is still, like, um, it's not something, it, it's a, more of, like, a religious folktale thing than a vampire per se, but it, it's, like, a vampiric-type situation okay. with the whole blood and and yeah. needing to feed off of others, too. Yeah. This is a very interesting distinction. I will say I always, like, referred to it in my headcanon as a demon, maybe because of the religious setting. Yes. Yeah, Um, me too. And even though it did involve fully, like, drinking blood, and then when you get involved with it and die, you, like, also want to drink blood, funnily enough, never in my head did I ever think of vampires. I don't know Mm. why. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe because they set up the religious aspect of it so much that I could not get that out of my head. So I was always just like, yeah, no, it's a demon. The bloodlust is irrelevant. It's just like, that's nothing to do with vampires. That's also kind of a demon thing anyway. Yeah, yeah. um, But that's what I always... And, like, speaking to, like, why... Because in my intro, I also said that at one point I was genuinely scared yesterday. I was also high, but... 
Um, it's only bec- <laughs> and it's only ever in the moments when there's like a character who like sees something out of their window. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then there's that like suspense. So it, it was never actually like you see a monster and you're scared. It's just more so like even though I've seen it, I was kind of expecting like a jump scare or like what will be outside the window. You know? Right, and like right. that's probably as far towards horror as it goes. So it's still Makes like sense. not bad and like super digestible for No, yeah, people, yeah, for but. sure. Okay, I want to I want to talk about this whole vampire distinction because sure. I also had a lot of thoughts about the choices there, which is Yeah, so first of all, in terms of it being a vampire quote unquote, it's more like to me this was like his take on a vampire story, but not sure. necessarily that this is a, like Dracula. Like that's not, but <laughs> it's like he's using the built-in themes to tell a version of a like this would be like his version of a vampire story um as opposed to doing like a traditional vampire story much in the same way like hill house is a ghost story but it's also like not like it's not yeah. the exorcist like it's a ghost story but like only in so much as it's informed by the uh, universe and like characters around it that make that make sense and this is sort of the it's same a backdrop thing. it's a backdrop much like how uh, Twilight puts a spin on vampires by not displaying mm. them how they yeah. <laughs> by making them sparkly sexy people yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's very similar I mean yeah. you would be hard pressed to find many differences but here's what I thought was so cool right is when it was first happening and as it was going on there was a part of me at first that was like oh like is this supposed is the implication of this and it's never hundred percent answer but i i have my take on it but it's like is the implication of this supposed to be that all of what we have in terms of like stories in the bible and religion is is like this is actually what people were referring to when they were talking about angels and like Mm -hmm. that this is literally canonically that but we just interpreted it wrong over the years and that was sort of my first takeaway yeah, because people only ever say angels are like, they have wings and can't be looked at directly or whatever. Yes, which is why... Or shouldn't be. Or, he, they assume. Yeah. But, and then by the end of the show, when like the themes became super, super prevalent of what they were trying to say, is when I was like, it, it actually goes even deeper, not only to the idea that, well, this isn't an angel, but they're doing the thing that all shitty religious people do of just pulling random quotes to justify like yeah we should hate these type of people because the bible said this one line and we're going to take that out of context to say that we should hate this type of people and it's like they're doing they're applying that same logic to this clearly evil creature um and saying like it has to be an angel what else would it be and it's like mm, i don't know but the idea that even within this universe this like religious universe that like if you go back canonically and there's so many like bible references in this but like in the canon of the bible (laughs) that like demons and the devil were just fallen angels yes and so like what's the difference between an angel and a demon so this is just a fallen this it, it is an angel in so much as it's a fallen angel that literally can't go out in the sun or whatever whatever and using that to tell the vampire story and like it's not and i'm so i'm so fucking thankful we didn't get a scene of like they figured it out and it's like this is actually (laughs) a vampire yeah no we never get that but it's just like because of the religious subtext like you can piece that together for yourself and i loved it yeah i think i'm pretty much on the same page where like i didn't think it was literally a vampire i thought it was it was it either was a literal angel Mm. in that universe where they exist or it was like a demon thing that they 
assumed to be an angel, but either way, there's not much. There's really not too much difference there when you think about it. Like, no, considering the context. <clears throat> so one of those, and I, I just kind of left it ambiguous in my own head. Yeah, because the message is the same either way. Yeah, what I what I like about it, if it is a demon, like let's say canonically, it is like an, a fallen angel because it's literally on earth because it's literally on earth yeah Yeah. the other thing that i think is cool about that is the idea that like going with the theming of it that these like super dogmatic religious people can't even recognize the difference between Mm -hmm. like an actual angel verse but they make so many judgments yeah and also like i think so much of the show yeah is mike flanagan going like you you people are actively doing all the things your faith say not to do and like literally in this show they are worshiping the representation of the devil yeah as well, especially to, be like yeah when we have characters like bev keen who are so quick to yes. demonize everything and everyone but then when coming face to face with an actual demon is like no this is great <laughs> exactly exactly yeah um uh, yeah. but it just because i did some research it is interesting because obviously other people on the internet were like what mm-hmm. actually was this creature um, so everyone was trying to compare it to things in Bible or other cultures' beliefs. And so apparently in the Bible, first mentioned in Proverbs, there are dem- like vampiric demons called alukas. So people were okay. saying it could be one of those. Um, but and even um, some people think it might be similar to the Wendigo uh, from uh, the Algonquin mm. culture because they yeah. also have insatiable greed and hunger and are cannibals, which is not the same as sucking blood, but, like, it... Obviously, because it isn't meant to be an... Like, I don't think he wrote this with the intention of having it be a specific thing, it like, referenced in any book or religion. So it is possible that he got inspiration from all of these different religions yeah. and cultures, so I don't actually think it matters in the end, to be honest. Exactly. If it is specifically an aluka or whatever it's supposed to be, I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Um, but yeah, everyone on the internet had different ideas of where it could have come from. Yeah. And I love that because yeah. again, ultimately the theme is just the idea of like, you're worshiping something that you shouldn't be worshiping. And it, it's like, because it brings out the evil part of you that was it, always there. It validates. It validates the evil. The evil. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> exactly. Which is lit. And also <laughs> while we're talking about it, I think the- Lit the, like an Easter candle. Yes. <laughs> Um, Um, the the creature effects I think were also fantastic. Yeah, especially for like a show. Yeah, I was gonna say Netflix productions like they can be pretty good, but um, sometimes they aren't. So well, especially one (laughs) produced entirely in COVID. True. Yeah, that's the other thing. Filmed August twenty twenty. Came out last year. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. that's crazy. I know. Mike Flanagan's been on a roll with like COVID content. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. He's the he's the chief creative officer of the COVID era. <laughs> he's oh just God. putting out good content. <laughs> um, speaking of that, though, it is kind of something I want to touch on. Like, so Mike Flanagan, to a certain degree, kind of got his start adapting Stephen King stuff with yeah. uh, Gerald's Game and Doctor Sleep. And this, and Red Letter Media said this in their review of this, but also it was a thought I had as well independently, so I'm not stealing it. This is, like, the best Stephen King thing ever, but it's not actually written by Stephen King. But it is, it's just, like, this small town with these weird fucking folksy people and, like, this weird horror thing that's happening inside of character dynamics. But, like, it's not Stephen King, so it's not, like, a coke-fueled nightmare. It's yeah. just, like, Yeah, there won't be anything creepy with children no. um, yeah. doing weird sexual shit with each other for no reason. 
Correct. Yeah. Correct. The only thing this needs is to take place in Maine. Yeah, if this <laughs> took place in Maine. But even, like, the town itself is kind of, like, rainy and a gloomy It could be an island out. off of Maine. So, yeah. like, it, I mean, it is so... It's it never is, Yeah. It's so Stephen King. It's so, like, modern Stephen King of, like, the next generation of it. But yeah. it's... Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, one thing I want to... While we're still talking about, like, the horror aspects... Mm. We start from the very first episode. We get these jump scares of, uh, so as we've talked about, like Riley was in a drunk driving accident. Yes. And the person that he killed, like, sort of haunts him with a few jump scares that are like intermittent throughout the show. But I like how they start out. Obviously, you don't expect it the first time, so it is the most like pure sense of a jump scare. And then as they go on, you see the scene that tells you it's about to happen again so yeah. it becomes more and more expected until the very end where it's almost a beautiful thing it's not even scary at all like the the it's it the transition of that effect from scary to like him accepting it and and it being portrayed as just this thing of beauty mm -hmm. um as the horror kind of just drains out of it completely i love that yeah yeah, but even really I will done. say, you called it a jump scare, and it is in the sense that it isn't expected, but something I really respect that Mike Flanagan did, did in this and also a lot in Hill House um, is that there is almost like a complete change in perspective before this like quote unquote jump scare because it's almost always when he's like laying in bed so the mm. whole view of the camera you know shifts to be laying on your side and like that happens so so slowly before the reveal of like the scary figure and i love that because even then it's almost like easing you into it mm -hmm. so it's not like okay like you were just looking out this window and pop like no yeah like, it's like a slow yeah, yeah, yeah. descent into like the image that's supposed to be haunting you and it's so yeah good. it's so and good. i also like how <laughs> ironically car horns just went out uh, off outside your window which is exactly <laughs> what i'm about to say i like how the diegetic sound mm of the jump scare <laughs> pertains to what's happening in the scene like the first thanks, time we car. get it yeah thanks. <laughs> the first time we get it there's like car horns mm -hmm. or like maybe it's like a car crash sound yeah yeah effect that plays during the jump scare because it was a drunk driving accident and like the second time is when he's home on the island when he's dreaming about it so we get like uh i think it's a seagull sound yeah. effect mm -hmm. with the jump scare so it's cool how they change that to like fit in with the environment that Riley's currently in mm -hmm. when experiencing it. Yeah, and it also like I mean, we've talked about the annoyance of like the the big musical sting that accompanies the jump scare, like for yeah. no fucking Just reason. Just a generic. Yeah, way. Yeah. yeah, and it, it helps, like you guys said, like turn it into something that's not. Like, it is a, it is effectively a jump scare, but it, it's not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it has a purpose. Yeah. It has a purpose, and it it is more palatable and not like like I could show this to someone that doesn't like horror, and they wouldn't be like, oh my god, that's super scary jump scare. It like fits in a in more natural way so but at the yeah. same time it's also really interesting just talking about horror in general i guess um mm. a lot of the times in modern usually shittier horror films if you watch it without sound they're almost never scary because they do i feel like rely almost too heavily on those like loud obnoxious music stings that we were saying right. before something scary happens but i feel like this and because of how like meticulously he planned them I would still be afraid, even without any of the, like, car horn or music leading into it. Right, which is also right, 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 right. Chef's kiss amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Just because yeah. the subject matter itself. Yeah. Yeah. The way it's presented. Yeah. Yeah. Classic Mike Flanagan. Just talent. What a talented guy. <laughs> and also classic Mike Flanagan. Um, I like the themes of, of 
like alcohol alcoholism recovery in this, which yes. he's used a lot because he struggled with that himself. Yes. Yeah. I just um, I don't know something I can't explain about a plot or subplot of a person going through AA, and just the positive energy that comes from yeah. those meetings and those scenes. I I love that stuff. Like he could do that forever, and I wouldn't get tired. Yeah, it. it's yeah. It's in Doctor Sleep. It's in um, Hill House and this, and every single time it hits so hard. I mm-hmm. don't know why. It's in BoJack. Yeah. <laughs> um, I no, mean, talking about specifically my client. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, right. no, but like I, I also I I like that as a theme, and I think it's because like it so naturally lends itself to a story because the story is like about change. Yeah. Like any story should be about some type of character change. And so to have a character literally be doing something that requires them to reflect and change is like a very natural fit to any story. Um, So yeah, yeah, I think that's why it always plays so well. But I also loved it in this. And like I, I said in my intro, I love them kind of not blurring the line, but sort of making the connection of like that you know riley is going to aa meetings to better himself in that way but at the same time like for like aaron like faith is an example of like AA meetings for her or even the sheriff and like how it connects him to his son and his deceased wife that like it's a method by which to cope with the world around you and to like acknowledge that everything's fucked and you should try to like do your best to be better and continue moving forward and to have the priest run the aa meetings and also, like, to have him even pull the specific... Because there is, like... One of the interesting things about being Catholic is that there are, like, really well-written, nice, like, things in the Bible just from, like, a pure writing standpoint. Yeah. And so the ability to, like, pull those things and use them... Like, he says, like, the serenity prayer at the start of all the AA meetings, which is a very nice, well-written thing that whether whether or not you are Catholic, it's just, like... It's it's a nice worldview to have of like grant me the wisdom to acknowledge that there are things that I don't know and that I can only control what I can control type thing and yeah. so the blurring of the lines there is very nice. Yeah, isn't that actually like something that all AA does? Like, isn't that part of the okay. process? AA know, yeah. is actually um, inherently religious. Like, their part of their whole structure is you need to believe in something like greater than yourself. Whether it like they they aren't like you need to believe specifically yes. in like Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, yeah, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. they do definitely want you to be spiritual in some way. Well, that makes it, sense. That goes yeah. back to the idea of like faith, like faith versus religion, yeah. and like turning yourself over to the idea that like you can't answer every question and you need to acknowledge that there are things more important than you in the universe, yeah. and like how that can be a positive thing versus like believe this one line of dialogue and everything will turn out fine and everything will turn out fine it's like those are two different concepts even like riley has a line in the show where he's talking about the difference between aa and rr yeah which stands for like realistic recovery or something yeah which is the idea that unlike aa it takes it a step further where it's it teaches you that you have to accept that you are the one responsible for your actions no Mm. higher power like you can't put the blame on something higher than you just because you're feeling guilty. Because you feel guilty. You need to change yourself and accept what you did and make amends for it. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, like, the most evolved version of AA. Yeah. Um, But also on the topic of AA, one of my favorite shots in this whole show is, I think it's in episode two, when um, there's a shot of the priest holding up the Eucharist and there's a match cut of someone holding up an AA chip. Yeah. It's, like, it's the same... It goes with the idea of, like, people have different methods of of 
having faith and and they're yeah. all they can coexist they're all yeah. perfectly fine for what you want to believe in um so i like that they use that visual reference to yeah like visual storytelling to, to well i mean when you're talented it's just uh, in general the do. visual storytelling and this is amazing because i was yes. re-watching it for this episode and i'd seen it before like even just the hints they give you to the true nature of the show just visually like when he first gives the the wine in church like mm-hmm. they they show that for a very long time and obviously you don't actually know there's anything up with it until a few episodes in um but it's just so good so many easter eggs haha <laughs> sorry haha <laughs> <laughs> easter eggs <laughs> nice yeah uh that's great um yeah and the, the visual too like what some of the visuals that i found the most striking were when the demon creature was like feeding mm. um and i think part of the reason i found it so striking was because it wasn't inherently like horrific like the camera wasn't shaking and there wasn't like loud <laughs> music especially the one at the end with Aaron, mm. where it's just like oh that it's was just so like cool. incredibly long and just calm and he's just sitting there feeding on her my like, favorite is her cutting the wings yes because it's so it's just so, so <laughs> like i he's so marco just said good. take off his glasses. i took off my i'm wearing <laughs> fake glasses just to take them off to <laughs> punctuate my feelings but like no but on that point like every time uh, every time we see the demon or whatever feeding and then someone goes to attack it it doesn't even care because it's just so involved in its bloodlust yeah yeah it's so also cool. it is stronger than everyone around it and it probably true know, and it can heal that. yeah, yeah. yeah it <laughs> but the point is that like it's so uninvolved with other people's efforts yeah yeah it's so uninvolved with just human things yeah like it, it can't even be bothered yeah very cool very very cool um let's, let's talk about some of the some of the human characters in yeah the show, shall we so okay let's start out with like who's your who is your favorite slash who is like your central protagonist in this ensemble okay this is a great question i'm glad you asked because the show starts off very much being like riley is the protagonist yeah. of the show and then immediately not immediately but like derails Gradually. from that yeah and you realize like oh no this is a thing that being said even though he's kind of the villain for most of the show i mean the priest is just a, such a phenomenal character in this yeah. and oh, yeah. the fact that by the end of the show he gets like I wouldn't necessarily call it redemption because like he fucked up, but like <laughs> yeah, no, no shit. <laughs> but like he he oh let's also uh, spoilers from here on out just yeah, yeah. full spoilers. 100%. Um, but like the fact that like he has his own realization, and even just like the stuff of of like Bev Keen, which also is such a Stephen King character name, but like whatever. <laughs> Like, her being yeah, you're right. a psycho and, like, kicking people out of the church or being like, they can't come in the church, and him being like, no, like, everyone is welcome here. Like, you have this all wrong. You're such a... Fu- we were all idiots. We she were all really wrong about psycho. this. Yeah. And one of his lines is, like, it was never about me. It's, like, that's the thing about priests. It's never supposed to be about the priests. It's supposed to be about God. That was, like, so, again, like, so validating yeah. to see him, like, come to that conclusion. Um god it's so fucking good it's so good and also just him as an actor dan and i were talking about this um i've only ever seen him in two things and he had bit parts in both of them Mm. one is uh the newsroom in season two he has a sort of recurring bit part which he's phenomenal in and then he's also in the big short um where he has a big part in that 
Um, and in both those things, when I saw him, I was like, this guy is so good. Like, <laughs> where where is this man, like, and I kept looking him up to be like, has he been in other things? And like, not really. He's been in some things, but not a lot. So to see him, like, get to have center stage in this show, he is such a phenomenal actor. And yeah. I hope to God that after this show now, like, he becomes, like, people start casting him in, like, leading man roles and things. Yeah. Because he is fucking incredible. Like, He's gonna be, like, the next Benedict Cumberbatch. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I just, like... He was nowhere, and then one day he got, like, one chance and then blew up. Blew up. It's, like, just the way... Like, t- oh my God. Like, the, the conflict of that character, of, like, the pain that that character is dealing with, and the, the way, like, he gives his homily- homilies at mass. Homilies. And, like, that was what did it for me. Like, he could have been just a priest i know in real life i know it's oh man it is so profound well my whole thing with him is whenever he had to like be quote unquote meeting people for the first time like and yeah. he had to hide the fact that he actually knew everything <laughs> because he w- had been priest here for 80 freaking years um mm-hmm. i found like his interactions with the people to be really convincing yes yeah um, absolutely but yeah i guess i'll I'll give my answer now that I mm. took over so so smoothly. Um, Very good transition. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think if I had to pick like a favorite central character, it would probably be Erin, um, simply because, yeah, obviously in the end she was the one to personally defeat this de- demon mm-hmm. creature. Um, and her whole storyline probably hit the most emotionally for me um because obviously like we said spoilers now she was pregnant and because of drinking the blood of this demon the baby disappeared which sucks um yeah. so bad Kinda that sucks. hurt yeah that hurt to see um and yeah i know i do recognize that she probably she did have a lot to do and was pretty central but i do think the priest was meant to take up you know more screen time and riley until he had to sacrifice himself, which was also like very cool also of dope. him. Yeah, no, yeah. that was sick. And, and so fucked. But up. at the same time, Aaron's reaction to it also I know, amazing. I know. All of the performances in this were flawless. Oh my god! Although, Top tier. Okay, I know this isn't the time to bring it up. I'll, I'll give it to you after Dan because I've given my answer. But my no, one, it's okay. Go for my it. one negative with this whole show is um, the person who was playing the doctor's mother. Okay, the old lady? <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes, thank I, you for bringing this up. Yeah, that is my one negative with this whole show because I the second she came on screen in the first episode looking old, I was like, this is a yep. young person. Yep, yeah. Yep. I didn't know and why she was going to be a young person. Yep. Obviously, we see her like aging down as the show progresses. <laughs> That's totally fair. Yeah, but immediately I was like, this is shitty old lady makeup. Why is a young person playing an old lady? And even her performance as an old lady, like with her like wavering voice, which I know is probably hard to do. Like I couldn't do better. I'm not saying that at all. But like, it was just like, that was like not good. Like by the end when she's young, who cares? But like at the beginning I was like, and because you don't know why I'm like, this is bad. (laughs) That is the one jarring thing. And I've never seen old person makeup done well. Yeah, like it's same. always it always looks like a young person in makeup. Um, but makeup's gotten so much better over the years. I don't know why old I know, person but makeup still, can't no, get better. I've never seen it nailed. Yeah. but think about the Penguin and the newest Batman. Like that is well, a that pretty, wasn't so much. It's him not looking old. That was just different. Yeah, but like 
Just make her look different, but the difference is an old person. But was Monsignor Pruitt True. played by the seen... same person when we see him old? No. No. Okay. No. So I was going to say, but if that was, that was because... the case, that would be good makeup because I couldn't yes. tell. Yes. <laughs> the reason they did that for him and not her is because with her, we obviously had to see the gradual. It had to be gradual. Yeah. So we know why now that they had yeah, to do it. Yeah, like I get it, but... It yeah. does, yeah. Like it, it raises the question right away of like, why is this not just an old person? <laughs> yeah. Something's gonna happen here. Yeah. So absolutely, hundred percent. But they um, tried their best. At least they, they did tried. it now and not like twenty years ago. Because then, can you imagine? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that would have been awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, I. This is tough for me to pick my favorite character. I'll say my favorite and a runner-up, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my runner-up is Sheriff Hassan. Yeah, oh, I just I love, love whenever he's on screen. He's also, Raul Coley. Yeah. I have brought peace. Um, I have brought peace, freedom, justice, and security to my new empire. Your new empire? Don't make me kill you. But my actual favorite character is the safe choice, I think, of Riley. I just, yeah, I love his. I mean, just because he is kind of like one of the most central characters so that's why it's like a safe choice but mm-hmm. i i love his his character again and as i think I said, he's I the love... most relatable yeah because yeah and he's like I just... the furthest from religion of who we like encounter at least he we are introduced to the island kind of through him yeah. so mm-hmm. that makes sense um and yeah i just i love a good tale of redemption and yeah and reinventing yourself yeah yeah phenomenal um we t- I had texted you guys about this when I was watching, but yeah, the the moment of him sacrificing himself, like when it was set, that episode by the way is so good because the episode before ends with him getting absorbed by the he demon. dies, yeah. absorbed, <laughs> whatever. And then you have like this whole episode of like where's Riley, where's Riley, and then yeah. then you have the let's go back episode of like him and the priest, which is so good. Uh, yeah. I mean, like all their one on one scenes are phenomenal, but that one in particular, where there's he's just so like, much of it. there's so much of it. And when he's like just getting angry at him, and he's like, you have to be fucking, I'm going to be honest with you, but you have to be honest with me. And it's like, it's so wonderful. Oh, when the priest is yelling at him? Yeah. 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 Incredible. But then, like, he leaves as this changed monster person, and he, and basically the priest is like, yeah, like, go ahead and whatever. And if he's going to feed, he's going to feed. And he takes Aaron on the boat, and I was like, when they were on the boat, I was like, okay, there is one of two ways this could play out that I would love. And that would be because we had seen the image of him on the boat so many times when he's falling asleep and the sun rising. And he specifically tells her, in my dream, the sun rises. I was like, if this show is well written, as well written as I think it is, the sun, he's doing this on purpose to let himself die. And this was all foreshadowing. And then that happened, and I was like, God, that was the moment for me where I was like, "This is like my favorite TV show." You're I was talking like, I don't about even, it, and like, I have chills. I know. I was Full like, I don't. Chills. That's. I texted you guys. I was like, <laughs> unless they somehow completely fuck the ending of this, this is gonna be my like favorite TV show we've yeah. talked about on this podcast. Be just because of like, what a wonderful like writing setup payoff moment. Um, and, and even says like, <clears throat> he the dream ends with the sunrise and he never sees what's after that yeah it's so it's beautiful in a way and then also and going back to the idea that like in this universe like okay he always sees the girl from the car accident as mangled and fucked up Mm -hmm. but then like in this moment now the sun rises and you expect him to burn up but instead it's just like this beautiful sunrise and he's sitting across from the girl that now looks normal and she like takes his hand which is if you want to like get to again the ending of the show like 
the idea that the people that are good people and that are having faith all have comfortable deaths in a way of like they're accepting of it and so like this even being like him entering whatever afterlife like exists in this universe as like ah okay you've done the right thing like you were a good person come with me and then the hard cut to what's actually what's actually happening and Aaron (laughs) fucking freaking out because of this man that she loves is like burning up in front of her horrifying (laughs) so good it's so good and like going back to the shot of him like accepting like seeing the the girl right yeah it even goes back to what he says about what he believes happens after you die yeah. where it's almost like there's five minutes of your brain just dreaming mm-hmm. which could have been what he was seeing which also maybe suggests that like because everything like all these chemicals are releasing in your brain everything's a dream dying is whatever you want it to be yeah which is kind of also the central theme of the entire show. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. whatever comforts you the most. Exactly. So I like that he, like, in that way, was right about what he believed yes. happened after you yes. died. Yes, yes. Which is also a nice a nice way to present it. Because, like, to take a hard stance one way or the other, not that, again, not that it would be bad, but it just loses a little bit of that nuance of, like, what makes the show work so well. So, yeah, to, to get, like... For him, regardless of what literally happened, like, his last thing that we see him perceive is, to a certain degree, like, being forgiven. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you've atoned for whatever you did that was wrong. And, like, maybe that actually happened, maybe it didn't. It doesn't fucking matter. It what it matters to him, and, like, that's all that matters. It brought him peace. It brought him peace. So, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, really incredible. And that also connects to the fact that, like, a lot of people just, even, like, religious people believe that for example, heaven and hell are just states of mind yes. of your brain at the moment of your death. Are yeah. you content with what you've done or are you ashamed of what you've done? And that that kind of, that puts your mind in a certain state that people might believe or might um, like see as a heaven or hell. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's also, again, I think part of the, the brilliance of having someone that like, understands what they're talking about writing the show as opposed to like Darren Aronofsky with Mother is like I mean it's like night and day guys like it is like night and day night and day um it's midnight but he clearly cuz yeah to your point like Sorry, I hit my tooth with my glass oh my keep talking ignore me there's so many noises this episode. Um, so many jump scares. So many jump scares. It's like the one yeah, where we like, recorded at your house and I just kept like dropping papers or knocking over water Carol. bottles. <laughs> Unbelievable. This is what that happens episode, when you like, record during the daytime. I have too much energy and I know, I know, make a lot of noise. And apparently so does the city of Ottawa. So <laughs> Yeah. Fantastic. Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> uh, heaven and hell state of Yeah, mind. okay, so... <laughs> Uh, one of the other things that I love, right, is that the the villains in this are taking everything literally mm. as opposed to the heroes that aren't. Because even in modern faith and religion, like, the vast majority of educated people that have faith, to your point, are, like, using these stories as a way to, like, figuratively explain the world around them. So it's like, like you said, heaven and hell being states of mind or being and not, like, a cloud that you go hang out on or like a fiery pit like yeah most people don't believe that way except for the people that do believe that way and don't shut up about it and so those are the people that you hear and that's like this tv show where bev is like a very literal religious person that is like trying to be like no this is 
this is what happens in the fucking end times. This is the book of Revelations. And everyone's like, Bev, what are you... Not everyone. But like, the heroes of the show yeah. are like, well, what are even, you talking about? Like, I mean, like, <laughs> even throughout this story, some people that end up, like, siding with her in, in like, in effect, they're like, can you shut... Like, even, yeah. for example, the, the mayor. Yes. Who ends up being on the side of, like, following this, what ends up being this cult. But even he starts out with, like, like shut up like yeah. I hate hearing you speak you're yeah. so annoying yeah absolutely absolutely i like that just everyone on the island kind of hates her a little bit no matter where they oh fall. yeah oh yeah no she's the well that's even like she I, is the worst even so the idea annoying. that like the priest who at who has been the villain throughout the majority of the show at the end of the show is like she is such a villain that he, that's what makes him reflect and be like, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, like, you are so fucked up. I now realize my own wrongdoings. It's she almost similar to the villain. Batman. Look at me making that connection. Ooh. Where, vengeance. Um, <laughs> vengeance. Yeah. where the people following him interpret what he's doing as yeah, evil. And yeah, it's yeah, only yeah, when yeah, he yeah. sees that point. that he is able to self-reflect and be like, maybe I've been doing things wrong. Yeah, and the priest even wears black. Yeah. <laughs> no makeup though. And there's like a vampire, which is like a bat kind of thing. Sure, <laughs> there's lots of bat connections in this. No, but that is true. And even his line you said about like it was never about me; it's supposed to be about God. Yeah. Like that's very much Batman at the end of the movie with the the flare yeah. leading the people out. You're like it's not about me; it's not about trying to feel better. It's like I've had the wrong effect here. Yeah. <sighs> This is just Batman. It's all it all roads lead back to Batman. <laughs> I never there's said only, this is just Batman. That is not what I was saying. There's there's only seven <laughs> stories in the world and they're all Batman stories. So no matter what, all roads lead back to Batman. Um Yeah, no, it's it's uh it's it's awesome. Uh, it's fantastic. I do want to talk about Raul Coley because Yeah. Carol, I don't know if you have any context for him outside of this and uh, Bly Manor, because he's in Bly Manor. Well, I right? only know yeah. him from Bly Manor and this, okay. but love him so, in Bly Manor. Oh, my God. He's great. Uh, <laughs> he's fun fantastic. fact, he is a giant nerd nice. who has... There's a lot of YouTube channels Dan and I watch mm -hmm. that he has just been on before That's he was... That's oh, like, before anything. Me too. I've always known him from that, um, because he was just sort of like a... I don't mean this like in a shitty way in case he ever hears this he won't but like he was like a more of just like a tv actor sure um at the time that until wasn't, recently yeah yeah that wasn't like a huge like household name per se so like where i knew him from was mostly these youtube channels like um kind of funny um which is a gaming channel or yeah. funhouse funhouse another video game channel he's like a big video game guy so like i've always known him from that um so to see him in this was kind of a treat for me because I've never really I haven't watched Blind Manor so this is my first time seeing him as a like yeah I was actor, gonna ask actor. if you saw in like Blind a very Manor. not yet no. high profile production yeah uh, and he's fantastic he's obviously fantastic I will say so the two things the only two negatives I have about this show okay one the old woman makeup <laughs> again as soon as she walked on screen I was like that's bad <laughs> but at the same time I think I was the one that really was like shitting on in Hill House how we casted two different actors instead of doing makeup. Oh yeah. So like I guess I just can't be pleased. I guess <laughs> I'm just thinking about like, like trying to make someone look old it's so hard to do. Yeah, yeah. It's even today. It's like, incredibly difficult. So I you know, they they did their best. You know what I think would have helped with it though? Like if I'm being honest, I think it's because like the first half of the show she's old and then like episode by episode she gets younger. I feel like if like from the very beginning but like it wouldn't line up timeline wise because yeah. they have to take the blood of Christ, blood of whatever Jesus. I don't know. Yeah. But like they like 
if she was like immediately started getting younger every episode it probably wouldn't have been as jarring to yeah. me but because she was old for the first half of the show i was kind of like why is there this bad old age makeup <laughs> yeah. and then when she started getting younger i was like ah okay i yeah, think and then going the other way it would have been so hard to like just have an old lady like an old person yeah and then when she starts changing it's so sudden like oh is that like that's clearly a different person exactly yeah it, so. it, you, you're damned if you do damned if you don't yeah that's the one the only other negative i'm not even going to call it a negative because it's just me but it's just because i've watched so much of raul coley i know what you're gonna say that every once in a while a certain word would come up where i'm like i can hear your english accent yes and not because he's a bad actor at all he does a phenomenal job but i just know his voice too well that there are certain trigger words for me where i'm like oh there you are there's your real accent <laughs> you've you've watched the drunk uh revenge of the sith script reading too many, too many too times, times too many times i've fallen asleep to his english voice too many times <laughs> that like when i when i hear him doing his american accent the very tiny things stick out but i still think he does an incredible american accent and like like carol like do, did you how did you feel about the accent as someone that's not like watched his other stuff? Oh yeah, no, I thought he's... it was like totally fine. I will say like okay. there were, you know, like you said, some words where it was like, hmm, interesting, but like pretty much every actor has it. Like even because yeah. now I'm listening to Office Ladies, so sometimes like they'll point out like words where their southern accents come out because even like mm-hmm. the little differences in U.S. accents from For Midwest sure. and east coast and whatever so you know it's it was fine it wasn't distracting by any means um Mm -hmm. but i do have a fun fact about raul coley um that i have specifically for dan in my notes i have for dan raul coley and mike flanagan's love of joel miller from the last of us inspired sheriff hassan's dress sense (laughs) i knew about that yeah yeah that was awesome that That is cool i mean i i figured raul coley would be in the loop of like the last of us but i wasn't expecting mike flanagan to (laughs) that was awesome that's awesome they're teaming up for something else right now they're working on raul and mike flanagan yeah and also mark hamill's well he's yeah the next thing it's called the fall of the house of usher which looks awesome it's probably it looks like it's probably going to be a more traditional horror thing which is cool because like yeah that's fine even mike flanagan's traditional horror stuff is excellent so cool with that cast do we know like what the premise of it is is it a ghost thing is all i know is it's so just because of like the synopsis on imdb it's mm-hmm. very g- generic but or like it's not generic um bare bones right now but it's about like this person who gets invited to like this lakeside castle Ooh, and castle. it's just like like spooky i don't know exactly Ooh, what happens but okay it's kind of a very it seems like a very um gothic traditional nice. horror thing cool i i hope like I don't want to haunted house stuff to me is a little bit played out like obviously haunting of hill house specifically is the best version of that like i hope mike flanagan keeps doing like weird stuff like even like okay so they're going to this castle like make it a fucking weird thing that's not necessarily as spooky i'm sure apparently it's gonna start like sinking into the lake and that might be part of the i I don't know for sure interesting interesting yeah i mean because wait is this gonna be a movie I think it's a series, okay. probably on Netflix again. Yeah, yeah, he's not a hundred percent sure. You might want to fact check me on that later. But Netflix probably cool. hasn't locked in forever. They're like, oh, all this yeah. stuff you make for us works really <laughs> well. Make well, it they are advertising it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're advertising it as from the creator of Hill House and Midnight Mass, which makes me assume it's a show because yeah, yeah, yeah. they wouldn't. They probably yeah. have said it's movies, like Doctor Sleep and yeah. uh, Gerald. Yeah, 
Gerald. <laughs> Gerald. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, I hope there's I hope there's weird shit. I hope there's weird creatures and I like that. Like I always like when you can do that stuff and make it good like this did. So yeah. um, that's cool, and I'm I'm happy to see whatever he does next. And also, Mark Hamill in that setting oh, in a gothic setting that's dude. gonna be awesome. God, just give Mark Hamill more stuff. I feel so bad that his whole life has been encompassed by Star Wars because. Yeah. Anytime he does something else, I'm always like, this is wonderful, Mark Hamill. Like, you should get to do whatever you want. But unfortunately, Star Wars is like, you're Luke Skywalker. Come, we'll digitally de-age you and you can play around with a fucking puppet Yoda or whatever. Like, I okay. saw, yeah, so he actually stood in for that stuff I was reading about. Yeah. That's unfortunate. That's really unfortunate. They didn't even use his voice. What? Why don't they just get Sebastian Stan? I don't know. Everyone says it. He looks exactly like a young Luke Skywalker. It's, He'd be fine. It's oh, so frustrating. Yeah, I guess he does. Yeah, he really does. And also, like, so instead of doing that, they CGI'd a young Mark Hamill, and then they had an AI recreate his voice. Yeah. Like, they literally just, <laughs> just created this so they didn't have to pay thing. him? Like, why? Because Wouldn't they it cost more to be... money to do all that a AI shit? Carol, it, it's because they want it to be as accurate as possible even though everyone would be fine with them casting sebastian stan yeah. as a young and his Luke voice Skywalker. too yeah would be perfect for a young absolutely and it's also like you've done it before like the original obi-wan was alec guinness and then you recasted ewan mcgregor who now is loves him, as right? iconic in the character as alec guinness was so like what is your fear of recasting some and also like but that's old star that was before well, that was when they yeah 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 that was before did before the dark time before the <laughs> empire that was um yeah i don't know and it's also like it's sebastian stan who you know people love like he's the winter soldier he's probably done mostly doing that at this point because like and you have sebastian stan disney has sebastian stan on like how many movies that they haven't used him for i know that contract remember he had like 12 movies in his contract <laughs> yeah because where I did that go well I, I think it was like maybe we'll make him the new captain america but then they were like oh. we should probably make sam the new captain america which okay, so cool but like use that now for like another show i don't know whatever we always end up talking about fucking star wars yeah. <laughs> let's get back to midnight mass um yeah aaron uh, i'm gonna talk about aaron a little bit yeah. because i also think she was wonderful she was the other one i was going fluctuating with the priest yeah. ultimately i i enjoy the priest like just because of like how much he gets to do and like the dynamic performance of it um but like just hearing him talk oh he's yeah. so charismatic but like yeah aaron i thought was uh wonderful as well in the show and she's also the actress that is uh from Hill House. Hill House. Uh, she's Rogue from the X Men from Hill yeah, House. Theo. She's the one with the magic powers. And um, I mean, oh, she's yeah, also in what everything Mike Flanagan's ever well, made. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So you could just <laughs> go to Mike Hush. Flanagan. Click on a movie or yeah. TV show. She's in almost all of them. She was in Hush too. Yeah. The maiden person. She's fantastic Hush, though. But, I mean, like. Yeah. Oh, and fun fact. This is it's a lot. Like this isn't very little known, but I'll say it anyway. The book in... Have you guys seen Hush? Yeah. I haven't. Really? You have, Carol? You'd like it. I have, yeah. Okay. The book that that character's writing is Midnight Mass. Yeah. In that in that movie. Because this cool. is like... They even this reference is a story. Like specific plot points in that movie. Oh. Yes. Because this is a story that goes way back from Mike Flanagan. Yeah. Like he wrote this a long time ago. I had heard he, he already... He had had the idea of it for a long time. But that's cool that he like seeded it into yeah. his earlier Oh, work. and then in Gerald's game... 
when she throws a book at the dog, mm-hmm. that's Midnight Mass. It, it's Midnight Mass. That's awesome. Well, because yeah, he like pitched it around thing. in yeah. 2014 initially, like even to Netflix, and they rejected it. So to keep the Idiots. idea alive, that's why he started putting it in future projects. Because he's like, I need to remember this. I need people to see that I, this is still something I really want to do, even if it never Dude, happens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, Can it did imagine? happen. Yeah. Yeah. If like you wrote this show and you know it's like the most <laughs> genius thing, and there no one would ever make it. Like I would, that would that must be the most disheartening thing of all time. Yeah. To have like your magnum opus just be rejected. But also at the same time, I'm sure there is like I don't know. I don't create much personally, but obviously now we've all seen it and love it and know how genius it is. But I'm sure mm-hmm. even though he wrote it and probably thought it was good. It's probably unlikely that he's like, this is perfect. Everyone's going to watch oh, this sure. and love it. Like, you know, artists yeah. always Agreed. have that self-doubt yeah. side of it, too. So probably when everyone rejected him, he's like, oh, maybe it is shit. <laughs> yeah, 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 fair. But I know, like, after this came out, uh, he was on Twitter a lot about... He was, he was talking about publicly how important... Like, this is his most important show to him... or project to him that he's ever done um so i can't imagine how frustrating it would have been to have it rejected so many times when like this is so close to his heart yeah like his whole heart was in this yeah and you can tell well because especially like as we mentioned like he did have like alcoholism issues and so like that's something he put into other stories of his but he was also raised catholic and eventually moved on to be an atheist so like this is I mean, his life story if he was on a small town with a vampire. True. True. Very good. And I guess he probably didn't kill anyone in a drunk driving accident. I'm not going to say this was actually a story about him. No, I don't. (laughs) I would hope so. Okay, what are your guys' thoughts on the monologues? And here's what I just want to, for context, this is why I'm bringing it up. Because this show is one of those shows that only has like five star or one star reviews basically mm. when you look it up and all the bad reviews are just like there's so many monologues yeah. in this oh yeah so this is why i bring it up i'm pretty sure we probably all have the same opinion but whatever yeah. what are your guys' thoughts on the monologues in this i mean they're all i will say none of them are bad and like they all are very impactful and relevant but i will say yeah there are some cases where i'm like this is like a lot of just like this one person talking which is not a bad thing especially considering Mm -hmm. like this is a small town there's only so many people like people don't actually just talk like (laughs) sentence to sentence to sentence to sentence while you're actually rationalizing with like a real small town setting yes yeah i'm trying to put myself into the world (laughs) (laughs) damn um but but yeah i don't know i think like specifically the only time that it it stood out to me in maybe an almost negative way is interestingly when um Aaron and Riley are talking like after she's lost her baby and like it's it's the night when they're like really bonding um just like because they describe the afterlife for like so 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 long like obviously both of those are like beautiful and even like the quote you shared Marco in your intro like made like literally just when you were reading it like I was starting to tear up like I'm on my period that might like have an impact but like it is like very beautiful um but that's like the only time where it was just like I think maybe just because you were with those two characters for so long too in general regardless of what they were saying and like I love kind of what is going on? Sorry, I'm just going to shout over it's whatever's right. happening outside. <laughs> we can't, yeah. It's 
<laughs> um, but yeah, because you're with those two characters for so long, that's the only time that I noticed it in like a possibly negative way. Every other time, I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. And I love it. Okay. I would like to quickly jump on that. Sure. Um, yeah. So first of all, I do love all the monologues in this. Um, I feel like it's a really odd critique to be like the show is bad because it has <laughs> monologues um here's what i'll say uh, i i part of why i like it is because it's a very old storytelling technique and like the show is so in in like engulfed in sort of like religious symbolism and the bible and yada 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 the idea that like even the characters in it are kind of speaking in that very kind of old school storytelling way of monologues um thematically seem kind of relevant <clears throat> It was also nice too because I feel like it really helped with the pacing at which we were given information. So, for example, like the sheriff doesn't get his monologue until right near the end of the show. Um, like I think it's either the second last or last episode where we kind of it almost for him is not an intro to the character. It's almost like tying up the loose ends because we kind of know almost everything and he's just filling in the gaps. Whereas some characters, it's like an intro. Um, I really liked all that. What I will say. When I was watching the first time, that scene between Riley and Aaron, it also stood out to me, but not because either of them were bad or poorly written. The only reason that one stood out to me is because it was like, it was the only time in the show, I think, where there was two characters that immediately monologued at each other. Yeah. Normally it would be like one character sets someone else up, and then they have a <laughs> monologue, and then the scene ends. This one, and I did come around to loving it by the end, but... The reason is because it's like she asked the question and then it's like okay and then we have the slow <laughs> pushing shot on riley and it goes and it goes and it goes and i was like okay this is his monologue that's fine everyone gets a monologue in this and i jokingly thought to myself like oh god i hope they don't do the same thing with her and then and then he says what about you and then it just cuts to the reverse shot and the exact same thing happens and i was like okay like i get it i'm glad we got these character moments there's something about just like doing the shot and then cutting and doing the exact same thing again that felt kind of funny but by the time we got to the end and she's dying and we get the callback to that scene and get the callback yeah. to that shot i was like i totally had come around on it where i was like ah okay like that is very much and you don't even necessarily realize it at the time but it's like the crux of the whole show is that scene and like those points of view and like that conversation and so like it is so i think important to really take your time in that moment um yeah and so i came around to love it by the end but that was the only time the whole show the first time watching it where i was like oh that's an interesting choice that we're just gonna go from monologue to monologue but like i said i think it works out cool um i i mean i love the monologues in the show i think it's like so in Hill House, Mr. Dudley had the the monologue, yeah. and that this is like that on steroids. Yeah. When I go back, as I said, like this is my second rewatch of the sh of the show. Like, so I've gone back multiple times, and I think each time I go back, above everything else, it's for the monologues. Mm -hmm. These the monologues. If I were to compare them to something, I, I would compare like these are to the show what action set pieces yeah. are for an action movie for me yep they are the draw for me um especially the scene that you're talking about with riley and aaron not to be a contrarian i think that's <laughs> maybe my favorite one yeah and i can see like you guys made great points of how it's it, like because you have one and then immediately followed by another it can be 
a, it can feel long. But I don't know. I just love the symmetry of what happens there. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it ends up like setting up something for the last episode. We don't even know it yet, yes. so that's great too. Yes. Um, and also, I, I one of my other favorite ones is uh, Lisa's monologue in um, Joe Colley's trailer after she. Oh my God! Yeah, no, that's phenomenal. Walk. Yeah. Yeah. And and Joe Colley's just standing there sobbing yeah. the entire time. Um, another great one is um, like, uh, or you actually already mentioned it is uh, sheriff's yeah um, sheriff Hassan's monologue about why he came to the island to begin with and that whole story. Yeah, it, it's I I understand why. Well, I mean, I don't understand why so many people would review one star for having <laughs> some monologues. Yeah. Like, I was just going to say, I can understand how some people might not be into monologues, but I, for one, I love them. Yeah. I, I, I love coming back to them every time. It's interesting you say that because I do, like I said, this is going to be something I definitely come back to. And to your point, that is what excites me now about going back to it is like, now that I know the plot, getting to watch it and be like, oh, what are the really intricate things that are happening in those moments that you maybe don't catch the first time? And even with that scene with Aaron and, and Riley, like, again, because of now knowing where it ends, it completely recontextualized it where next time I watch it, I'm going to be like 100% paying attention well, to all that thing. stuff. that's the thing. It was so fun to rewatch. Like, this thing yeah. has so much rewatchability because there's so many things to catch, like, even the way yeah. characters interact with one another or the things they choose to focus yeah. on. Like, even in the very first episode, when you encounter Joe Colley, because he's, like, in jail or, like, sleeping it off in the sheriff's office, and he's like, oh, you, like, came here trying to break in because you said some big winged creature or, like, an albatross was chasing you. And, like, you don't know at the time, but that was mm. this demon. And, like, he saw the, like, oh, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. But he <laughs> yeah. just thought it was because he was drunk. Yeah. yeah. And another, another cool thing like that is... Uh, realizing like after you find out that um, Father Paul is like he Sarah is his daughter yeah. the doctor yes. on the island yes and how he interacts with her the entire time maybe I'm just an idiot but the first time I watched this I didn't see that coming no, I did not I didn't see, see that see coming, coming at all either. that was a fantastic twist yeah. that was such a wonderful twist so um, again watching those scenes after having seen it once it's cool yeah because she's always like he was always he staring at me as a kid and she thought it was because yeah. yeah. he knew as a priest that she was gay and that he was yes. disproving of that but it's like no yeah. not at all <laughs> yeah and then there's a scene where like she does a checkup on him and mm-hmm. he's like thank you i'm very like i'm proud of what you do on the island mm-hmm. and he even <laughs> she's says like, okay weirdo like <laughs> yeah I know. we just met like, <laughs> and he even he adds the line of like how you take care of your mother mm-hmm. which at the time is just because he sees that she takes care of her ailing mother yeah. but her mother is his former like love um, they, they weren't married, yeah. but like yeah, love. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. I didn't even, I mean, until it's revealed, necessarily guess that like he was the older priest either. Oh no, me neither. No, like yeah. that was also a a cool twist. Um, and I, I feel like it's one of those twists where maybe like five minutes before it was officially revealed, I was like, oh, I like I think I that's get the it. best. That's because the best it, it kind. You up for what's about exactly, to and then it gives it to you. But like <laughs> up until then, I was like. Who's this priest? What the fuck? Like, I straight up thought, like, did, did he kill the other? Because he was yeah. being weird about it. So I was like, is he a demon? What is this? So and then weird. when it was him, I was like, oh, that's so cool. But it's that's also cool. interesting because I, I think it's, like, in the third episode or second. No, I think it's third when he's um, third. confessing to yeah, no yes, one. But he, he, yeah. he knows every single detail of the father's yes. trip. And it's like, that's kind of weird. Like, how would he know? He wasn't there. 
Yeah. Surprise, surprise. That's yeah. when that's when I started to guess it yeah. was when he was like refer like he wasn't referring yeah like he's referring to himself in the third person where he's like and then this happened and this happened and I was like but but he was alone and then I was like <laughs> oh is are they the same yeah. is that what's happening and then it is what's happening yeah and I like the format of that episode how they made like custom stations of the cross yeah. yes. for his story oh, it's so cool it's such a and that's a, that's the framing device for the episode right yeah because yeah. it starts yeah it's so the whole episode. It's so good um. <laughs> Uh, I, I also like some of the, okay, this is so awful to say, but this, when I was watching it, I was like, this is kind of like the Avengers Endgame of Catholicism, <laughs> because there's so many, like, callbacks and, like, payoffs to things in the Bible in this that I thought was really lovely and good, um, and, like, as someone who grew up with it, I'm like, I get all this, like, in a way that someone else might not, but might take a comic it. reference. For the Bible, yeah, it is. It really, it's it's the culmination. What, what issue is this particular quote from? Would you say what book of the Bible? Is yeah, from? exactly. No, but like I, I do. Um, we I, need a graphic novel of the Bible. Oh my god, we should have. I think a it exists. I'm sure someone's made one. I'm sure, probably. but it's probably like one for teaching, and it's boring. No, we need like a it's... like an M-rated like yeah. gory. <laughs> 100%. I mean, there are a lot of stories in the Bible that are pretty gruesome, so yeah. I'm yeah. sure. And we never hear about those. No, because they always, like, water it down for, like... Well, no, the thing is, I feel like we Sundays. do hear about them, but we're not, like, really made to understand how fucked up it is. Like, was it... Well, the only instance I can think of is, like, like the Passion Abel? of the Christ movie. Oh, Cain and Abel is pretty fucked yeah, up. Yeah, like, true. shit like that. Like, there's a lot of, like, straight-up, like, murder, and it's, like, no well, big deal, though. <laughs> Even, like, Ab the story of, like, Abraham, how he had to, like, sacrifice his, his son, son yeah. and he was going to do it, but then he didn't? Like, that's a pretty cool story. Yeah. Let's get some of that. Let's get some of that shit. But you never see that. Never see that shit. Anyway, so, um, the, the one in particular that, well, there's a couple, but the, the whole story about the priest in Jerusalem and, like, him getting lost in the desert mm -hmm. and finding this opening, whatever, this is, like two stories combined into one in such a cool way because there's the one part of it that is it's very much like the story of Moses and the burning bush to a certain degree which I don't oh. know how familiar been or how much you guys talking a lot about remember. Moses lately I know <laughs> last this episode, in the last episode <laughs> yeah yeah um but like obviously in that Moses yeah discovers this burning bush that's calling to him yeah. um and it's a, in a very similar way where he's kind of like out doing something and he's called to this place and he goes to this place and, and now he's being called to it's his here the beginning of his hero's journey in that yep. story you know of like you need call to, to do action. this his call to action so much of the bible is such great storytelling <laughs> and it's so like i think we talked about this on one i think she's chris superstar but like how it's so ripe for adaptation like you can tell such interesting stories because they're all formatted in hero's journey stories like in fiction, I love the tale of the crucifixion because it's so yes, epic. Yes. Like it the, is like the story of Jesus's walk down that road to his death. Yeah, just as like a fiction piece, it's so awesome. Well, and even it starts off with him in the garden being like, he "I don't want to do this, but like if this is my destiny to do this thing, then I have to do this thing." It's like Luke redeeming Vader. It's like <laughs> it's so fucked up when it is because like the emperor's like he's like, "Okay, now kill him," and he's like, "No, I'm not," and he like sacrifices himself, and then Vader's like, "No." <laughs> but like anyway but i i also as a kid and maybe it's because the prince of egypt is an animated movie that i watched a bunch because <laughs> yeah. it was a great movie but um 
the story of Moses is also very compelling because it mm-hmm. kind of is an action adventure story, but it's also a hero's journey of like realizing who you are and like being called on this adventure to like free these people and and like yeah. do the right thing. It's so cool. And he has Moses is the one who like grew up as an orphan adopted by like by the Egyptians. People, right? yeah. yeah, until he realized That's such like a. Uh, like a hero exactly a, a movie hero origin story yeah because he literally is like the he is the prince of egypt who is helping to subjugate this entire group of people until he realizes he's a part of that group of people and then just wants to escape it but god is like no you have to fix it like this is your destiny is to fix this and so he has to go up against his brother he's like caesar he well that's why in the third movie oh, yeah. he literally is caesar. Oh, we already compared caesar to moses yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but anyway all of this is a very roundabout way of saying that 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 scene when when the priest discovers the demon um is that yeah. is like oh like i discovered this thing that was calling to me and but whatever whatever but what I also love is that the other thing, if you know your Bible stories that it references, is that Jesus, at, at one point in his Jesusness, <laughs> I forget exactly where, went into the desert for 40 days, yeah. right? And this is like where Lent comes from, by the way, is because like mm-hmm. Jesus went. But part of that story was that Jesus was in the desert 40 days and that the devil showed up to tempt him while he was in the desert to be like, you don't need to do this, whatever, whatever. And so what's so fucking cool about this scene is that the priest was literally in the desert and is tempted by a demon. And unlike Jesus, who is like the hero of that story, he's viewing it through the lens of the Moses story of like, this is my call to action. Yeah. Because again, like what the theme of all this is, is just like contextualizing whatever you want it to be and him being like, I am important and I am the savior as opposed to no, this is not about me, which is what he comes around to at the end. Awesome. It's yep. so, so layered and like so, ah, uh, it's but so then, cool. But then don't forget, there's also a third Bible story layer of what he's telling us of the the story of Paul on the road to Damascus. Mm. Yes. And he's encountered by an angel, which is what he thinks is happening. Yes. And which is why he but calls it's not himself Paul. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And I like that too. But then also, yeah, that playing into the whole self-importance thing of mm-hmm. like, ugh. I'm an apostle. I'm an, I'm special. I'm special. Yeah, and it's yeah, not until the end. Where that's never what this was about. It's about also, this was the temptation that I didn't resist. Just on a surface level, how fucked is it that the town was like, "Hey, you eighty-year-old man who clearly like can't even walk in a I circle know. around this table, just go <laughs> by yourself into the desert. Have a good trip. Our gift to you. Yeah, like what? What did they expect yeah. him to okay. do there? <laughs> they explained it a little bit. So he wasn't. He was with people, but he wandered yeah, off in the yeah, crowd. Yeah. That's how he ended up in the desert. Yeah. But Still, also, though, like, you shouldn't send no. a geriatric old man Should have done it 10 away. years prior, guys. Come on. Yeah. 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 yeah it was a little too late for that. <laughs> um, ah, but it's so, it's so wonderful. But then, of course, the other Bible reference, that very overt one that I really love, is in that, that last speech that I pulled from Aaron. And it's the dialogue that ends. Well, it's not, because I think you come back to the kids on yeah, you do. the boat. Right, yeah, technically. I wish this was the dialogue that ended the show. But in the no, monologue... No, but you need that because, because we need to find out that they're going to be... That the, the blood will not be part of... Like, the, they're not going to end up dying like this. Yeah, yeah that's true. They'll that's just true. die a normal death. That's true. The only reason I wish it was Aaron's speech is because her last line is, I am that I am, mm. which is also the Bible quote from Moses, 
because when Moses discovered the burning bush and it was talking to him, he was like, who are you? What are you? And God's response is, I am that I am. Oh. So that's like a, a direct pull from that. Um, cool. Which has always been a, a very a fun part of that story for me because, again, just we're talking about like how well written the, the fiction of those stories are. Like even just that to describe, if you were this all-powerful being, how would you describe yourself? Like he wouldn't be like, I'm God. Like that would, <laughs> like you wouldn't say that. Like he's just saying like, I, I am everything. Like I am that I am. And like that is the point of her speech is that we're all like connected in this way we're all everything and so Mm -hmm. like to end it with that and i just because that's also a bible quote i was like that would have been such a poignant like cut to black moment but in the context of the story yeah you do kind of need to cut back to the kids on the ship that is very important um but also um just a funny note about that ending is on imdb in the fun facts it like verbatim it says there is a strong clue that the demon did not survive because lisa's last line is i can't feel my legs and i'm like it's not a strong clue it's like telling you very explicitly you also it's see the explicit. demon failing to fly away like yeah. <laughs> it's not a clue they show you exactly yeah. what happens i don't know why you had to you write it that closely, way yeah. <laughs> just like I'm imagine like those YouTube videos with like a big red arrow pointing and being like things you missed the demon didn't oh, survive I'm sure IGN made a video like that yeah absolutely yeah. but so to go back to the bible references thing it is cool that the two survivors of this are uh, a young boy and a woman yeah and they've lost their paradise like she can't walk anymore she's lost what was given to her by this thing very much Adam and Eve yeah, um, it's like a new beginning. It's like a new beginning. So that's that's cool. See, too. this is the stuff. What? So when I first watched this, I texted you guys and I was like, "This is mother wanted to be this, but <laughs> yes, stupid to be." No, this. I hundred percent agree. I hundred percent agree. This is everything. <laughs> this is what Darren Aronofsky thought mother was. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 100%. I wonder if Darren Aronofsky watched this. I'd love to hear his thoughts. I think he would. <laughs> yeah, he's probably like, "Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> shit." Um. Yeah, but yeah, so cool. And this is also, this is why I said it's the Avengers Endgame of Catholicism, because it, like, it has all these things where you're, like, you, you don't can... even need anything else. Exactly, exactly. Ah, oh, it's awesome. So cool. Yeah, touching back on what you were talking about, actually back on Aaron's final monologue, mm-hmm. I, I also like that they toy with the idea of, like, and she even says this, of where does my body end yeah. and the rest of the world begin? Yeah. Because it's all just the same atoms and molecules that are in your body are in the environment around you. Yeah. It's like, if you pick up germs on the ground, are they now part of your physical body? Like, where does your, where does yourself end and the rest of the universe begin? Mm -hmm. And that's just such a cool question to ponder. It is. show explores. And it's also like, that, as someone that like, still knows people that have faith and people that have faith that are educated, that, explanation of like maybe that is what god is is just like everything the connection of everything is very much where most educated people end up because there is this thing of like what even is the universe like what is that what's outside of the universe what does it mean that there was nothing (laughs) and then there was a big bang what but then also like and you you get to this like part part of this is just me also being uh, very lucky to have a dad who has a PhD in like the philosophy of artificial intelligence and as such has like touched on religious philosophy. But these these were questions that like I asked of being like, explain this. <laughs> Just explain this to me because I fucking can't get it. And like a lot of the arguments for this more like like energy explanation of God, if you will, 
of like, like a force. this force mm-hmm. that connects everyone because it's the only thing that can go through dimensions <laughs> of time and space like love um the force yeah so <laughs> but like the idea being that yeah like you can fundamentally like observe and explain everything up to a point and then the point that you get to is like well these are just the laws of the universe and then it's like yeah. but why and what's like what's past that is nothing like is you picture nothingness as like blackness but no but that's, that's something, something. That's a concept and, and a shade. Yeah. Do you think your parents would like this show? I think my dad would love this show. I think my mom... My mom cannot handle... This is why I was talking about horror stuff, because I was thinking what oh. I recommended to them. I think this would even be too much horror stuff for my Aww. mom. Like, she is a... Like, <laughs> I only watch comedy movies and, like, maybe Marvel movies. See, that's, <laughs> that's what it. I'm saying about Rachel, but she likes scary, yeah. so... Yeah, my mom does not. I think my dad would fucking adore this show like i think he would love it and i i very much do want will recommend it to him as like a, if you're up late working <laughs> which you do and i know you watch tv and most of the time when he's watching tv it's just like alien documentaries about like <laughs> oh like what's out there so like just watch this <laughs> i think he would love it but yeah that that um, he just watches alien documentaries yeah that's so funny I mean, he'll also, like, if I recommend something, you like, he'll watch it. But for the most part, he just watches, like, al- random alien documentaries and, like, historical history documentaries. Channel yeah, history channel <laughs> I stuff. I think yeah. my, my brother and your dad would be very, very good friends. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Well, didn't your brother major in philosophy? Yeah, he did. Yeah, and he's okay. also well, that, obsessed I mean, with aliens and yeah, history. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He studied history yeah. before he studied philosophy. <laughs> Wait, that makes sense. Yeah. Did, your, did your brother major in philosophy here? No. By here we you mean Windsor, Ontario. Yeah, art. Oh, okay. okay. I was gonna say because you would have had my yeah, dad. Yeah. No. yeah. No. He studied yeah. history when he was in Windsor, I think. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Actually, that would still fall under though, isn't? Oh, no, no. But he didn't teach it. Yeah. No, he wouldn't have had him as a teacher. Yeah. But would he have been his dean still? Is that a social science? It is. If if he was here when my dad was dean, but that oh, was yeah, only for like basically when we were in university, which right. yeah, yeah, which was out of that time yeah. frame. Which was out of that time frame. Your dad was my dean at one point. My dad was your dean, yeah. Because <laughs> I technically <laughs> fell into that. <laughs> yeah, good times. <laughs> oh, man, he wanted to kill himself when he was dean. He fucking hated it. I <laughs> was back no. to just doing research and stuff, so. But, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I, that's, that's, I love uh, Aaron's last speech for that because it, it encapsulates that sort of, like, how you can still find faith in a... Scientifically. In a, in a scientific way because, like, even... And this is what I I love too is like whether you are an extreme scientific person or an extreme religious person on either end if you're like educated enough you understand that like there are still things that you can't explain like everything always boils down to things where it's like we just don't know anymore so like I I very much get frustrated by atheist people that are like everything is explainable and that's why there's no religion and I'm like everything's not explainable if you you can't tell me that you took a grade 11 fucking physics and biology course and now you think the entire universe is observable. You're an idiot if you think that's the case. Um, so yeah, that's that's part of why I like the nuanced approach of this, of like, sure, whatever. At a certain point, it all breaks down. At a certain point, nobody fucking knows. So if that's what you tell yourself to feel good and make it through your life, fantastic. But just don't harm other people. Which also, like, you tie a perfect knot with the, the scientific way of viewing things, of what we don't know yet is just stuff that we don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't it, mean it doesn't exist. just means we theor- don't know. Yeah. Theoretically, maybe we could find out someday. Yeah. But we don't, we don't classify it until we know actually yeah. what it is. Yeah, exactly. 
you can only you can have beliefs on what it is yeah there's that old quote i think it's from sherlock holmes <laughs> but then spock nice. says it a lot which is like when you eliminate uh fuck what's the quote shit it's like when you eliminate you could search it up and put it in the episode yeah, actually i'm just gonna put it i'm gonna search it. i think it's like when you eliminate everything that's possible whatever's remaining no matter how impossible must be true or something like that i'm fucking up the quote but it's something like that <laughs> but it's basically just the idea that like all you can do is like deductively answer what you can answer and then once you get to a point where you can't answer anymore like hi uh, marco here editor's note the quote is when you have eliminated the impossible whatever remains however improbable must be the truth okay you can only you can only guess. do yeah yeah but yeah and and no guess can be proven right exactly so you're just left with whatever yeah Whatever. Well, but even, anyway. like, the things we know now, like, the laws of physics and stuff, could still be proven wrong. Like, nothing we know, yeah. we actually know. Oh, well, and most of them do break down yeah. at a certain... Like, even yeah. these, like, laws of nature, quote-unquote, it's like... As you go down to, like, molecular level, a lot of yes, everything laws just don't even function anymore. Everything breaks down. So there's so. a whole other realm of, like, physics within that scale. Yeah, know? yeah. And who's to say there's not a whole other realm going the other way? Exactly, outward. macro. Yeah. And also, like, we still can't connect all those different versions of physics. Like, yeah. It's like they're, it's almost like they're different universes. Like, you, you can't connect mechanics and relativity. Like, those don't connect. Do you remember? Do you remember in grade twelve my theory that that atoms were just mini solar systems? And <laughs> I sent that to the group chat, and you're like. Dan, on a scale of 1 to 10, how high are you? <laughs> <laughs> that is a very high person thing to say, but it's also a, it's also a good, uh, good, good theory. Yeah, good times. And by extension, that would mean like a body of molecules is like a galaxy or something. Sure. So we're galaxies? Maybe. Maybe. Who's to say? We are all made of stardust, so... We're all made of stardust. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm just... It's cool to think about. It that. is cool to think about. And it, it very much also ties into, there's a Harry Potter box in front of me, so I'm going to bring this up. But it's like how we've talked about with, like, if Harry Potter is, like, important to you because of your upbringing and connection to it, that's great. But, like, don't use it as an excuse to support a shitty yeah. human being. It's very much the nice same. Nice tie-in. Very much the same thing with this of, like, yeah, whatever. So. But um, what else specific to the show uh, have we yet to touch on that we should? Can I just ask a question I... to clarify before we do that? Okay. Um, I think I know the answer, but I just want to make sure because actually on my quote-unquote rewatch before recording this episode, I only got to the fifth episode because I ran out of time. Um, so I had to okay. just like Google the synopsis to make sure I remembered. But anyway, um, so you know how the Father Paul is like allergic to the sun or whatever, but only after he dies? Mm-hmm. So... Mm. Because after Riley turns, he's immediately like can't be in the sun. Is that because they kill him after yeah. the demon like you have gives to him die blood? First. Okay. Just making sure. I did have a question about this, like just logically. Yeah. Like I understand that it's like the death and rebirth that gives you your demon powers or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why they combine the blood with the rat poison or whatever, and they kill well, everyone when they're drinking it. Yeah, so that they didn't combine could... it. Is that they were giving it to them throughout the mass? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Sorry. So yeah. So they were already exposed, and they, they just, just had to kill die. Them. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense to me. The only question I had was like, what was causing Father Pruitt 
to die in the first place. So this is the one plot point that kind of breaks down when you look at it a little bit okay. closely. Okay, I'm glad it's not this. just me, yeah. <laughs> he is the only one that took longer to, like, be... He explains it as because he... So, okay, this this vampire blood, angel blood, whatever you want to call it, yeah. the blood of Jesus, whatever, <laughs> Yeah. it brings you back to your prime self. Mm-hmm. That's how it's, how it's explained, which is why he de-ages so much. Yep. And other people don't really change age. Like, if they're younger, they're already their prime self. So he explains it as he just had a lot longer to go, which is why his situation was a lot different than everyone else's. Okay. Because he dies when he meets the angel in the cave because the angel kills, like, he rips into his neck. Yeah. Then he revives him, and that's when he starts to become young. But I guess their argument is that because spiritually he had so much longer to go, he was, like, feeling all fucked up. Hmm. for some reason which is why he died in front of that little group of people which was just a way to bring that group of people into the loop like from a story writing perspective yeah yeah i also the first time watching had to kind of put that together a little bit of why like why was his death and rebirth so much different than everyone else's but the but yeah i just kind of landed on the fact that the point is if you're given this blood of life you have to die once and then that's when it starts to your second life like takes takes effect yeah yeah for sure okay yeah because i was also kind of like like why was his why was he so sick yeah Yeah, that's fine i mean at the end of the day like it does not like really negatively impact the show at all but it was just uh an interesting interesting thing sure plot wise yeah Yeah. i'm glad we brought that up though yeah important Um, to touch on another thing i want to bring up is so okay we haven't talked a lot about joe collie and yeah. I love his character in this too. Yes. Um, Poor Joe. And I was gonna say, I was gonna say it's a shame that he dies so early, but I mean it's perfectly fitting for like his arc mm-hmm. and everything. Um, but going back to what I said about like reinventing yourself, and I love how in I think it's it must be episode three because that's when Joe Colley starts going to the AA meetings, yeah. and yeah. on the on the walk back home after the meeting, he and Riley are talking about like, does it ever get different for people like us? And Riley, he says something along the lines of, um, "We, the world around us never changes. It's just us who has to kind of adapt to the type of person we are and, and do something within mm. ourselves. Mm. And I like that this show presents the idea, or not, I guess reinforces the idea that like, there, are so many, there are so many ways of thinking in the world that kind of tell you you need to change nothing like uh, okay let me reword this there are a lot of positive ways of thinking in the world that i agree with that say like accept who you are and like self-acceptance is very important yeah and and being um happy with the person you are but at the same time you need to be vigilant enough to know when to change part of your yourself for the better of like treating others yeah Yeah. you need to be aware of when to grow and when to reevaluate something about yourself yeah and i like that this show talks about that because again we're living in an age of very healthy self-acceptance and and ways of thinking like that which like again i support very much but also at the same time you need to not just go fully in that direction without and say like i never need to change anything about myself (laughs) no matter what i do which also ties into the whole what we're talking about of like enabling ourselves to do shitty things because of something we believe in yeah 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 (laughs) 
Mike Bev. Mike she Bev. killed Joe well, Crawley's also- dog, right? Like, we know that for a fact? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the rat bitch. poison or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, she's the fucking worst. Um, but that also even ties, like, so much of the show has to do with the idea of, like, rebirth. But it's almost, it's kind of like, like, they're not, they're, they're taking the easy way out of rebirth. You know what I mean? Of just being like, if I just do this thing and drink this blood and kill myself, I'll be reborn and be the best it's version of myself. Rebirth. It's yeah, literal yeah. rebirth. Whereas, like, like what Joe and Riley and ultimately the priest end up going through by the end is like a spiritual rebirth of like realizing their wrongdoings and becoming, like you said, like reinventing themselves, becoming better people. Um, which is a nice little parallel between that as well. Mm-hmm. Those two things as well. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I wanted to bring up, obviously, like, making the sheriff Muslim is a very deliberate choice in this. Um, that at first I was kind of like, okay, I, I mean, I don't, other than to show that, like, Bev is an asshole and, like, people <laughs> are, are not accepting, I was kind of like, I don't, I don't necessarily know why he was specifically Muslim. I think by the end it becomes a little bit more clear because, again, like, by the end it's supposed to be about like whatever your personal faith and like how you use that to connect to people around you and so for him it's that for Aaron it's something else like everyone has their own things so I think that becomes a bit more clear by the end um yeah but I just thought it was like an interesting choice at the beginning of the show because I was like I don't know where this is necessarily like going other than we're just gonna watch a Muslim person be treated like shit because they're Muslim so I'm glad it pays off in a way other than that yeah I like that (laughs) even just the decision to include in this story about religion more than one religious perspective yeah so it's not just religion versus non-religion like it's it's more there are different types of religion at play and obviously there's a lot more than we even see in the show like of course but the fact that there was more than one perspective i think was a wise choice me too that's what i was gonna say i really respect it because like yeah obviously it did suck to see him being like treated shittily like because of his religion specifically but I do really respect the opportunity it gave to show like even in some of his monologues or speaking to his son that like we both believe in God and like coming from obviously our background where we just learned Catholicism which like also believes in God but also like does have some like famously pretty like white roots um now at least people have turned it pretty white um and at times like racist and just like you know not always great lessons coming out of it um it was really i did really appreciate being able to see him trying to explain to ali like the similarities and the differences and even like to the townspeople and i think like even just the representation of showing them praying every night like that's not something you see in tv like it's so rare and just like having that representation Mm -hmm on screen I'm sure was probably like appreciated by the people of that faith and like and was probably even really helpful for any like Catholic people who watched it to be like oh not all Muslims are evil <laughs> because Which there are people that who think to... that and that's so funny. I know I know yeah I know yeah I, at first I was also like okay like maybe this is just a representation thing which is fine like we don't see that that often so I get why they would include that Another scene similar to the scene between Aaron and uh, Riley, where at first I was kind of like, this sat with me in a weird way, but by the end I was more, like, I was excited about it because I was like, I get what's going on, was the scene of him in the classroom where he does give the speech about, like, this is the Reader's Digest version of what Islam is. And I was like, okay, like, I, I get it. It contextually works because no one else in the town would know. And it's also for the audience. It's like, 
here's a crash course in case you don't know either it did feel a little bit like here's a crash course but i was like okay fine whatever um but because the thing that he very much hammers home in that crash course is the idea that where they differ is that catholicism has been so misinterpreted which then becomes the theme of the show so once that was sort of became clear i was like oh i understand why we had this like uh after school special moment of like (laughs) this is islam because i was like it, it made that it made it work for me uh narratively as opposed to just being like a a random info dump which as all good stories should it like it actually has another level once you progress through it it's not just the surface level thing that's happening in the scene so yeah that really that really worked for me after seeing what the show was about but also just in general that scene was really useful in explaining or like giving him motivation to not want to go after the church when things started being brought to his attention because yes. obviously if there wasn't that initial conflict he'd be like oh yeah of course let's look into this and maybe everything wouldn't have happened the way it happened but because everyone already like hated him and he kept being vocal about like the things he disagreed with on such a grand stage and like there was just so much judgment of him from the beginning and i feel like yeah that one classroom scene where he was talking about the bibles and mm-hmm. the instruction of the bible in school was kind of like the tipping point that it was like okay now i can't do anything to these people because they don't respect me at all basically yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure yeah i i love his that whole subplot between him and his son as well. Me too. Oh, and yeah. then at the very end, when his son drinks the poison, I know, oh I know. my I know. god, it's so scene. sad. Ooh. Yeah, and that Ooh. I mean, um, that whole scene. Maybe this is a bit distasteful, but it's so hype when he pulls out the gun. <laughs> yeah. like, it's just so earned. It's so it's such a feel good moment, even though it turns into like yeah, like a horrific moment. But yeah. it's like good on him for being so brave despite all this almost the entire community looking at him in this particular mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. that that being like taking that step was very obviously very hard to do for him um yeah. and he he even says as a sheriff he's not used to carrying a gun at all mm-hmm. let alone bringing it to this thing happening at the church so yeah what i uh that just reminded me of a point i wanted to make so first okay. of all i do want to talk about that scene but i just want to also make the point um we, we have touched, obviously, on this podcast about a lot of the times, like, when you're telling a story that involves a certain group of people that would traditionally be a little bit demonized, you kind of go the opposite direction. So, like, the perfect example is in Batman Begins how Bruce Wayne's white rich parents are <laughs> the absolute best white rich people that have ever been white and rich uh, and are doctors and also fund the city and also build things for free for people and also provide housing and just anything anything you could think of that a person should do with money they do so yeah the scene where the sheriff is like i don't even carry a gun because i'm not that kind of person like Mm. did stick out to me a little bit in that way (laughs) propaganda yeah i'm just like Like a good cop (laughs) i'm a good i'm not that kind of cop and i was like okay like i it's not it wasn't a. It was not nowhere near as egregious as the Batman Begins thing, and because it. Or even off, in the Batman when it's like, oh yeah, yeah, look at us. There's some good ones. Left. <laughs> yeah, when he's taking Falcone out. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I own oh, all yeah. the cops. Then he opens the door, and yeah, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Yeah, no, it's not that. Or the no more dead cops scene. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Which we didn't talk about at Planet of the Apes, but there is that exact oh, yeah. scene, which is really oh, funny. Yeah. But um. Yeah, it, it works way better in this because it's not, it, it's just a setup payoff. 
It's yeah. just like he doesn't carry a gun, so then when he pulls out the gun, you're like, aha. Yeah. Like, he was one step ahead this whole time. Like, that's really that's really all it is. But obviously, in, in light of, like, modern discourse and stuff, I was a little bit like, okay, this seems a little bit like we're doing this on purpose, so that way you don't feel bad rooting for this character. But that's okay. Like, I understand. And even though it works within the world of the the script as well, because, like looking at where this character is and how he feels he sits in this community that would be oh and also he has the line of he's never had a need for a gun because there hasn't been any uh deliberate violence on this island for like 50 years yeah um so going into the gig he's like oh this will be like a cakewalk and also again just looking at how he feels comfort comfort wise in this community like i can definitely see why he would feel like he was doing a wrong thing like he would feel that yes. it was wrong to carry a gun yeah because of the community he's living in oh so. yeah it makes perfect sense yeah it, it it definitely is believable and it and it leads to great great effect after the fact definitely definitely i think it is one of those things too where it's like it it seemed it, it seems less to me like of a deliberate attempt as more like, I feel like this was probably always a part of the story, but then in light of recent events, Mike Flanagan is probably like, aha, it even works on this other level of like, he doesn't carry a gun. And like, this is so much of discourse that people are talking about. But I, I don't, I don't get the sense that he put that in there after the fact, like everything was oh, written yeah, yeah. and then he was like, he doesn't carry a gun also like as a thing that he just threw in there to cover his ass. I don't get that sense. I think it's Well, just... but also at the same time, like. I would argue, not argue, but just point out that at least, no, not at least, there were only like two black people on the island, and even then they were like really, really light-skinned, so like if you're talking about the cops, violence, gun thing, it doesn't entirely, like it it doesn't really play on that level entirely because there isn't, like it's just what, he's going to shoot a bunch of white people, like sure yeah yeah yeah. no i know what you mean yeah Yeah. it's not yeah yeah definitely it's just i've become very hypersensitive now to fair enough yeah to because of current events it's like whenever i see something like that it it, like immediate i was having this conversation with madison i don't know if we had this conversation but like the dumbest things pull me out of movies where i'm like when something reminds me of like the real world or current events and like a perfect example of that this is so stupid but that movie Fresh, you guys, yeah, Carolina, yeah. you saw it. Oh, with Sebastian Stan. With Sebastian Stan. Again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sebastian Stan. Phenomenal actor. <laughs> Could be Luke Skywalker. Um, also on Disney Plus. Also on Disney Plus. Fresh, also on Disney Plus. Uh, <laughs> Wait, are we sponsored by Disney Plus? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just saying, like, Disney. Like, come on, Disney. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's like a scene where uh, the protagonist in that from um, fucking that show that Normal I people? recommended. Minute yes. Mass. <laughs> Normal oh. people. Oh. Um, she, Daisy there's Edgar like a, Jones. yeah, Dizzy Edgar Jones. There is like a sex scene. And I don't know if it's because Normal People was so like naturalistic in his portrayal of sex, but there's a sex scene and then she wakes up the next morning, like just wearing the lingerie that she was wearing as if she slept in it. And I, <laughs> I don't know, like that is such a niche thing that whenever a movie does that, I'm like, why would you wear an uncomfortable piece of clothing like that? Why would you, like, have sex and then put that back on and go to bed? Like, nobody would ever do that. And so, anyway, and, and I at that point in the movie, I turned to Madison and I was having this conversation with her and she was like, Marco, like, 
who fucking <laughs> like is this seriously what you're derailed over and so i do yeah like that's very much how i feel about the gun thing in midnight mass where i was sure. sitting there in my head internalizing this and i was like just stop like this does not matter you're thinking way too much about this just enjoy it for what it is so but yeah that's how my uh mind works which is i just fixate on the dumbest shit that matters not at all I was just going to ask, does anyone have any other specific plot points that they want to bring up? or I would like to talk about something quickly, which is just, um, there's some, like, not unintentional, but there is some humor in the show. Like, it's not, like, it's a very serious show with, like, very heavy subject matter. But there's a few things that I think end up becoming humorous um, because of the ridiculousness of it and because the horror isn't necessarily played as horror. And not humor in a way that, like, is bad like it's like ironic but it just it's just kind of funny because it's like oh my like what the fuck like how else would you react to this so like a funny example of that for me is uh when riley wakes up the next day and the priest is like i wouldn't i wouldn't walk outside if i read and then he like runs outside and starts to burn up and the priest is like i fucking i told you and it's just like that is such a horrific thing but that they're playing it so naturalistic of just the priest being like told you not to do it and you did it man stupid idiot like that made me laugh but then also um, going back to the sheriff, like, at midnight mass, when the fucking demon walks out wearing the priest clothes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was very funny, but then also the sheriff's reaction of, like, fuck this, and just grabbing his son and trying to leave also made me laugh really hard, because everyone was like, yeah, maybe let's hear this demon in priest clothes out, and the sheriff was like, absolutely like, fucking not, dude. It's like, do you hear yourself? Yes. Let's hear this creature that we don't know what the fuck it is wearing priest clothes in this I feel like the sheriff church. was the only one saying that the whole time. Like, yeah. are you, because obviously he wasn't recognizing the miracles firsthand, or like seeing, I don't know why I said mm -hmm. recognizing, seeing the miracles firsthand with everyone else. So he, he was just hearing all these stories and he was the only person being like, are you guys sure about this? Or yeah. I guess also the doctor too, because even when Lisa was cured initially, she was like, I don't think this is a miracle. Like, it's pretty, pretty rare that this would happen. But, like, it's not out it's completely not outside oh. the realm of possibility. Yeah, and even Riley talks about that in one of the AA meetings. The first AA meeting after yeah. that happens. When he, he's like, I can, like, misdiagnosis has happened. They're extremely rare, but it's possible. Sure. I can, I can scientifically rationalize in my own mind what happened to her if I want. But yeah. the one thing I can't get out of my head is how did you know mm -hmm. she was going to be able to do that you had to know at that moment yeah mm -hmm. that was cool that was awesome which is interesting because i don't know how he knew because you even see him like staring at her while bev is reading something and it seems like he's picking up some weird energy from her like you don't see anything like nothing visually yeah is showing us that she will be able to walk at this time i don't know if maybe in his head he's like maybe it's been enough time she's a small lady the ratio of demon blood to her blood's probably good enough um <laughs> the ratio. It, it is still i still don't know how he knew you know so, what i mean i have a yeah. thought about that also first of all we should just say like that as a moment in the show the walking moment. oh my god is yeah. so good just him being like get up and walk and you're like what the f and well, everyone again everyone else's reaction are so yes. good like you can't do this like what especially yeah. the mother it's horrible yeah. yeah 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 uh that oh, is you mean incredible. like when before it happens when they're like what the hell are you doing like yeah because yeah. he just kept keeps standing back and being like no yeah. come get it and then the, the, like one point he steps up the stairs and someone's mm -hmm. like that's just cruel yeah it's so good but my take on that was almost like maybe it's him trying to like reaffirm his self-doubt like maybe he didn't 
no-no, but he was mm-hmm. kind of like, this is the litmus test. Yeah. Where he's like, what am I doing all this for? Am I going fucking crazy? And he was kind of like, fuck it. Like, because he did seem nervous. He was anxious. nervous. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was almost like, I need to, I need to like get all these other people to see. It's almost like I need someone else to confirm this is happening for me. So it's like, let me just throw this out there real quick. Uh, walk. And then she does. <laughs> and he's like, okay, good, 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 good. Uh, yeah. It's not just me. It's not just me anymore. That's, um, cool yeah. that is cool and maybe it was more of a thing of maybe it was less that she after like a certain amount of um poor like you know servings of the the blood it would be enough maybe it was more of just like once you have it in your system if you believe you can do it yeah and maybe that's what was going through his head so he's like just really try right here in front of everyone and yeah. that's maybe that's how he quote knew that mm-hmm. it could happen that day mm-hmm uh either way very that is one of the scenes like there are there are a handful of scenes that always make me cry during rewatching that yeah. is one of them just because of more because of everyone else's reactions more than anything yeah, yeah. it's um, really good um and it also uh i guess kind of tying in thematically about like what he's saying about at the end about what a priest should be um the idea that i think there are so many bad priests and like what he becomes by the end of this or not by the end, but, like, when he's in his pure villain form of, like, I have all the answers. Like, I'm going to tell you exactly what all the answers are, whereas this at its core is sort of thematically what a priest should kind of... Not, like, literally trying to tell someone to walk, but the idea of, like, I don't have all the answers, but, like, this is what my faith tells me, so, like, I'm trying to give my faith to you, and, um, yeah, it, it works out, but then it's a very fucked up way of working out that help, that does not help his god complex at all, and then he straight up is like okay cool true yeah i'm magical (laughs) yeah then there's just like miracles happening left and right oh and on that note too i like the small detail of everyone who wears glasses on the island slowly just stops wearing glasses yeah it's cool well it's it's funny because the setting i guess because everyone has been on such hard times with the oil spill and the fishing and stuff like that like Mm. when you do encounter everyone on the island unless they're a child everyone is so like explicitly like old and in pain and wrinkly like they really they really showcase that like everyone is back pain everyone's limping or or groaning at some point so then when that starts to go away it's like that's weird (laughs) yeah yeah it's awesome yeah um and another thing this is kind of off topic but i i do want to touch on how much i love the uh the production design of the island Mm -hmm. um i'm also just like I love the maritime nautical type architecture and setting. So uh, that's probably why, like, from episode one, I was like, I'm I'm in. Mm -hmm. I'm hooked. Yeah, yeah, and obviously it's, I mean, it's a real island. They didn't, it's not a set. So, like, they found it. But still, I I just, it it was so enjoyable, the time spent. Because, like, 95% of the show takes place on this island. Yeah. Um, I think that's why I felt so... Or not why, but part of why I felt so actively engaged in watching the next episode. I just enjoyed being in the setting. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, again, I like, you know, the the lighthouse aesthetic type. There's no lighthouse in the show. But that type of... Uh, there should but be. But shouldn't there be? Yeah. They should have a lighthouse. <laughs> they could have shone the lighthouse at the, the demon to kill yeah. him. That would have been very comic <laughs> That would have been the, again, the watchable but not amazing version of the show would have been like, we gotta get to the top of the lighthouse. And yes. like at the end, they fucking shine in at the demon and it's like, yeah. 
yeah um anyway so yeah i i love the uh the production design of even within the houses and also the few scenes that we see on like the fishing boat mm. just great it, it, it looks so like cluttered and and um like there's i this is a very specific thing but the aesthetic of like fishing ropes yeah <laughs> i i can't explain <laughs> i know it. what I you just, mean yeah i love the look of that stuff and especially on like little fishing boats um then you should so watch coda say, a lot of that, that takes place on boats Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, it also won Best Picture, so I should check that I've out. I've been meaning to watch it, too. <laughs> no, just because yeah. it, it, some of it takes place on a fishing boat. That's why you should watch it. Maybe that's why it won Best Picture. Because <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I was in the Academy. Um, it also... Surprise it reminds, dancing in the Academy all along. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've only seen five <laughs> yeah. Oscar-nominated movies this year. Um, it's voted blind. It also, it also reminds me of that movie, and like I didn't love the movie, but Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, that's another thing where it's like all on this like coastal town, fishing town type thing. For sure, for sure. I just love that stuff. You should visit the East Coast. I know. I need to eventually. That because I also love that. And when I was in the East Coast, I was like, oh, this is a dream. It's literally like just Nova like Nova Scotia area. Yeah, Nova Scotia. Well, PI, funnily, this was filmed beautiful. on the West Coast in Vancouver. Really? Or an island off of Vancouver, specifically in a park called Gary Point Park, a seaside public area. I guess coasts are all coasts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. same idea. Yeah, yeah, still rainy and gray for That's most of the year. Rather than yeah. the Atlantic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, I just uh, something we like only touched on in our intros, but like the music mm-hmm. yeah. in this is also uh, very wonderful. Yeah. Very, very awesome. So obviously it, it draws a lot from like catholic hymns and mm-hmm. their um like their melodies and whatever uh but there's also like original score as well which is very well done yeah um, very uh very very impeccable also um sorry fun fact no? just because you touched on music as um everyone is dying at the very end and they're singing nearer my god to thee that's also the song that was played by the band on the deck of the sinking titanic yeah, hmm. yeah. Is so it? that's a fun little connection. I I that's did cool. know that because they bring it up in the Red Letter Media video. Oh, oh. nice. Mike specifically brought it oh, up. Oh, I forgot as, that. Thing. That was a nice. That was a nice thing. At least I think because I, I did remember hearing that, and that was the only video I watched was there. So unless I yeah, <laughs> but I thought that was um yeah that's cool. That's, that's nice. That's a nice little touching uh, kind of call. And you also didn't thing. you recently rewatch the Titanic? No, not that recently. Oh, it was okay. like. A long time ago. I don't know why I was thinking about it the oh. day I texted you guys. I hadn't recently rewatched it, but um, yeah. Wait, actually, one more thing about music. Did either okay. of you guys watch the trailer for this show? No. Um, I don't think I did. See, no. I didn't until I was doing research because I saw that specifically they used the song "Somewhere Only We Know." Mm. I don't know if you guys recognize oh. it from title yeah. alone. It's like a pretty like sad pop song. It's usually used in like romance movies when a sure. couple is like they about to reunite this. and like run to each other. Yeah, and mm. so I was like, they used that song in this trailer. That's so so bizarre. So I had to check it out, and I do highly recommend watching it. Like everyone listening, because it's it's kind of genius. I'm kind of obsessed with it because it starts oh, okay. just like playing the song and showing the town just to like give you a little intro and then it repeats um because there's a line in the song that says you're gonna let me in Mm. um and so it it like 
elongates that and repeats it with like some creepy like strings Ooh. like it's very cool it like reminds oh, okay. me of the reimagining of toxic that they did for promising young woman mm-hmm. got it's, it yeah so it remix it very cool it's it's a fun watch it's like obviously a trailer so it's like two minutes but i really yeah. enjoyed watching it carol i'm glad you i'm glad you brought this up because i was just listening to a song that reminded me of a trailer i forgot to mention when we did our trailer talk mm. in that or oh, favorite trailers yeah um the uh you season three trailer that had <laughs> hit me baby one more time by britney spears oh um fantastic that is a fantastic trailer i know it has nothing to do with any of this but i'm sad i didn't mention it that trailer is so much better than you season three like i saw that trailer and i was like this season is gonna be the best piece of television i've ever seen in my life it was a fantastic trailer fair okay <laughs> thanks yep Okay, something I want, to, I want to touch on before we leave uh, for this episode, though, that we haven't necessarily touched on, but, like, in the last episode, um, the use of, like, processions of, like, everyone having, like, these processions, like, walking towards the church or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that I thought was just very cool because that is a very religious Catholic thing. A lot of times you'll do at, like, a big ceremony or banquet, like, you'll have a big procession. Also, like, famously in the Bible, when Jesus um, came to Jerusalem, question mark, there was a, that's like Palm Sunday when they were laying the palms down. Yeah. I think they were going there. Um, Yeah, so that's a very famous thing, but also, like, the way they use it in the show very much is, um, like, uh, George Romero, Night of the Living Dead, like, those vampire type movies, or not vampire, zombie movies of, like, everyone walking around at night together like it, it it captures both those vibes at once of like it's a very religious thing but it, it's also like a very horror thing and then also just the themes of like groupthink and all that like are very clear in that in that moment um but yeah i just thought it was like everything in this show just an incredibly well inserted thing with like multiple layers you know, <laughs> behind it, it everything mixes together so well yeah um but i, I would also imagine a lot of these old horror themes like vampires and zombies and stuff come from something of a religious origin like at least some part of them sure yeah i I don't know much about them but especially like vampires i have to feel like that came from like because catholicism specifically teaches like drinking of jesus's blood Yeah. yeah not literal blood but that is a teaching yeah and i have to think there's some connection between myths about vampires and and old religious scripture and teachings you gotta imagine i mean that's where i feel like yeah like you said most myths myths come from (laughs) is that so yeah uh yeah also one other thing i want to bring up is i like the structure of episode titling me too yeah very cool very cool no, I mean, we just didn't mention that, so I wanted to bring it Yeah, up. <laughs> and they do make a point, though, of, like, in every episode, like, I think they make reference in some degree or another to... Yeah, it's title. either referenced by word or it's just literally it's the, the action, yeah. like, what's happening. Yeah, like, yeah. My favorite one is episode five is Gospel, which yeah. is when Riley goes out into the world after becoming reborn and, like, spreading his knowledge of what happened. It's so good. But for a different purpose than what the priest thinks he's... Like, it's not pro what happened. Yeah. It's, it's warning people against what's happening on the island. So it's like this, it's like the inverse type of gospel. So uh, cool. Yeah. So great. Cool. Any other 
thoughts to tie up? Yeah, any miscellaneous notes, Carol? Any closing um, thoughts? No, but I do just have one point that I really enjoyed that we didn't really talk about is hmm. specifically in the mass when he is having people drink the poison. I really like how they separated people about how like Ellie drank it but obviously his father didn't and then like Lisa's parents did but she didn't and just like seeing that divide even across families was really interesting to me and I I found that it made for a really effective ending where there were literally just like two groups of people fighting it out till the end yeah yeah that made it then that whole that scene in the church yeah. when everyone starts waking up and yeah, starts like and they attacking have to start people. Run. Yeah, that was that's intense. So yeah. suspenseful. So good. Yeah, very good. But yeah, that's my only point. I read all my fun facts and fun notes, so I got nothing. Cool. There were a lot of fun facts. I was a little disappointed. It's pretty well, the new. show isn't very fun. Like, <laughs> oh, that too. I know. Well, also famously, IMDb's fun facts are also not always very fun. Yeah, most of them are wrong. Just facts. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. What a what a what a delightful show! Yeah, very. To good. kick off Holy Week every every year, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be my uh, yeah Easter show. Oh, actually, I guess the, yeah. You know what? Sorry, there is one more thing okay. to talk about. Is I feel like the only reason the, this released in October instead of like now is because it's like it's vaguely spooky. Yeah, yeah like I said, right. so was, you would think because like Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor, yeah. they both seem yeah. spooky. Came out fall time. You would think this yeah. is a fall show, but. It isn't that spooky, and no, it I think also it was has more religious themes than it does to have anything yeah. to do with Halloween. So Absolutely. If you did have to pick a season to watch it in, spring. You'd be like now. <laughs> this is a spring. This is a spring show, definitively. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's also we, like you know, new beginnings, renewal. Exactly. Exactly. Everything about this screams spring yeah. Easter vibes. Like, I would never watch this in Halloween. This yeah. is not a Halloween no, show at all um yeah I, I feel like the advertising for this and i can't really blame them because it's a mike flanagan vaguely horror thing but mm-hmm. they went too far in advertising as like a creepy ooh yeah. midnight yeah. mass <laughs> this like gothic horror thing it's ooh. not that yeah, at all it's not that at all yeah. it's so. very drama character heavy yeah agreed so yeah yeah, yeah. also i love the title Midnight yeah. Mass, because yeah. it literally is the Midnight Easter Mass. Well, I was talking to Rachel about it, and I was saying I had to go watch Midnight Mass, and she thought I meant, like, <laughs> a YouTube, like, live stream, <laughs> a stream of, of a Midnight Mass, and she was like, why are you doing that on a Saturday night? <laughs> <laughs> That's but, hilarious. Yeah, so if people don't know that this is a show, they might think you're just watching a you mass. Just gotta so maybe, say, I have yeah. to go watch the show Midnight Mass, <laughs> Yeah, just yeah. to make sure they know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so go watch the show Midnight Mass if you haven't already. <laughs> Absolutely. Strong recommend. Yep. Thanks again for listening to the Future Life Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you liked this video, give us a rating and review. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes of the podcast, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the bell to be notified when we post a new video or follow the podcast on Spotify. If you want to connect with us directly, you can follow us on Instagram at FeatureLengthPodcast or even send us an email at FeatureLengthPodcast at gmail.com. Catch you on the flip side. Hell yeah. Also, I'm breaking out the legal pad part as a, a snippet. Oh, okay. Cool. Even though it's like two minutes, I think it's worthwhile to have hey, a Hey, snippets can be any length. True. Snippets can be our TikTok content. If we want to get on TikTok, oh my God, stop. we can post. <laughs> and we can edit. We can edit images to it. So it'll just be like pictures of legal Do you want FLP pads. on your FYP? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have TikTok. I don't know how to do that. <laughs>
Oh. <laughs> that was really good. That was really good. <laughs> There's so much. Uh, we could be such fucking internet people if we wanted to with this with this channel. We really okay. could. All right. Wait, we could blow up that way. It's actually a, a thought. It is. All right. I mean, we can <laughs> put the snippets on TikTok. Head. I don't care. Yeah. Hey guys, while we're putting out all these great ideas, it seems like we're doing the most recently. I think TikTok could be something. 